Hi. There you are. I am. I'm where I am when we do this thing. <laughs> this is where I am. That's good. You are virtually here. We're both in our little uh, little layers. Yeah. I love the my layer. The dragon's layers, I guess. <laughs> I love my layer. No, you got a good layer there. It's nice. It's pretty good. I cleaned it up quite a bit, actually. So By clean, I mean it's like... It's like the the Red Sea in the Ten Commandments. It's like a wall of, of garbage, on, not garbage, but a, a wall of clutter on either side, and you just sort of walk through it and hope hope to God it doesn't all come tumbling down on you. Yeah, then a pharaoh goes through and just drowns. Yeah, then no yeah. no pharaohs can come in here. That's I have a sign outside. No pharaohs allowed. Sounds good. Yeah. I've, you know, tired of those guys. Ah, me too. No one likes a pharaoh. Uh, when was the last pharaoh, would you say? <laughs> I don't really know. It's a, yeah. it's a long, yeah, long well, time I ago. Look it up. That's the last pharaoh. Yeah, why not? When was the last pharaoh alive? That would be uh, 30, uh, 30 BC. And it was a famous one. I was going to say, is it famous? Yeah, very famous like, one. Probably like, one like, of the most famous like ones. A Ramses, like a Ramses? Uh, uh, it's more famous than Ramses, for sure. Oh, really? Imhotep or someone? Uh, more famous than that. Not Tutankhamun. More famous than that. I don't know who it would be. Who is it? Cleopatra. Who? Oh, Cleopatra. Oh, yeah. Yeah, she was the last pharaoh of Egypt. I was going to say, because I would have thought, yeah, I would have thought the Romans would have put, put an end to that because they would have conquered Egypt and, and there would be no more royalty in that country. Yeah, 30, uh, 30 BC. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. That's a good bit of trivia. Thank you, for, good trivia. thank you for that. You're very welcome. We'll start off with that. Everybody and welcome to Sneaky Dragon. I am Ian Boothby, and I'm David Dedrick. There, we did it! Hooray! We finally <laughs> what, nailed it. What did we? Yeah, oh, that's it. That's the best it's ever been. <laughs> I like that you said that because you you started the show unexpectedly, and I had one other little item I wanted to bring up before we started the show. <laughs> that's oh, okay. No. Okay, <laughs> that's okay. We'll. Do you want to, do you want to bring up that item? No, no, uh, no. The, it was it was going to be it was going to be like a between you and I sort of thing. So, it, oh. you know, we'll 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 see what we'll just roll with the we'll roll with the punches. Is it a, is it a, so? It's a sassy secret. <laughs> if it's sassy. Okay, nice. It's, it's a, sure, you're right. It's a sassy secret. That's how I. All right, but it's something we don't want the listeners to know anything about. Well, I don't think it matters. It was just sort of a, a matter of housekeeping. You just want to keep it from you. Don't trust. Them. I don't. Tr- I don't trust. You them. don't trust. You know trust what? As far as you can throw them, that's what you say. Our listeners are like children, and you don't want to give them too much information. You just want to kind of dole it out to them bit by bit. Right. You didn't let the girls know their last names until they were like ten. Like I remember that. And they're like, <laughs> "What's our last name, Papa?" Like that's none of your business, girls. <laughs> that's right. And, uh, You'll learn yeah. that in the proper time. Yeah, no. I, well, to be honest, I did not let the girls know their their uh, first names until they were about a year old. Oh, okay. Yeah, I kept it back from them. Did not tell them. Those little and things. They were, were they pleased when they when they finally knew? Well, as one, one year old, Mary memorably said "ga" at the. So I don't know if that okay. was I don't know if that was a criticism or or what, you know. It's hard to tell, right? It's hard to tell now. Actually, I think that's a terrible thing to do to children is to uh, parcel out information to them bit by bit as if you can't trust them to know things. Yeah, it's almost weird to me. Like, oh, by the way, it's episode uh, 462, but you guys know that. Um, hmm. Unless you don't. Unless, you know, listen, maybe you're visually impaired and you just let this download and now you're listening to it. 
shame on me for thinking that you read something <laughs> uh, first and that everyone has the ability to mm-hmm. read. Oh, shame on me. Well, let me um, let me just blush because for some reason I thought it was two sixty two. Anyway. Oh. Okay. I'm. Uh, I can never. Uh, I can never uh, quite get into my head of how many shows we've done. It's never uh, quite. The, done, never. It, it doesn't matter. Um, <laughs> so, listen. The only time it would matter is if we were in a very badly written movie, and I'd say, "Hey, Dave, mm-hmm. how many shows have we done? Two hundred and sixty-two, and it just means that one of us is going to get murdered, and then <laughs> you know, then it establishes." The amount of time we've spent doing this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, we met in high school, right, Dave? I was like, that's right, Ian. <laughs> and you go, anyway, I'm going to go check what that noise is in the other room. <laughs> oh, no. Do I have to die off camera? Can I die on camera? I think it's better that one of us leaves. Oh. Uh, and then we hear a, Duh! and then the other one's, Dave? Dave? Huh, Dave? I'll say that way too much. Dave, <laughs> then I'll walk in the other room, mm. and then I'll see you. Uh, just like you've exploded all over the walls. That's right. I, I... <laughs> okay. Yes. I'm watch. I'm watching a bit too much of the boys. I was just, I was just thinking too. that. And I was thinking to myself, that is. Our, it's not just them. I think that's just our modern age. Like computers have like given us such pl- pleasure and and how much blood we can like you know throw around in a, in a room is everything. Yeah, everything. I've seen a surprising amount of people explode. Uh, in, in the last little while. Back when it used to be like a real... Uh, by the way, remind me that I'm going to be talking about something from my childhood. Okay. Um, but uh, it, back in the day, it was like you saw Louis Del Grande's head explode yeah. in scanners. You're like, well, I never... And it, and it was oh so startling. God. It was so startling to us oh, as a culture. Dear. It was oh on the gosh. front It was on the front of a magazine. Yeah, and now I think I've seen three... Now, without saying, you know, the, the different shows... But I've seen like a bunch of heads blowing up recently, like on different shows. Like it's not just one show. Going, hey, thanks for the spoilers on that show. But I've seen like <laughs> heads being torn off mm-hmm. and heads blowing up yeah. and things going into people's heads and things getting sucked out of people's heads and then they blow up and then their skin falls off. And, and you know what? I'm getting a little like I'm a little numb to it right now. Yeah. But back in the day, Louis Del Grande. <laughs> and then, like you always think that when you're watching, seeing things, you're like, "Hey, that guy's the guy's head blew up." Yeah, pretty, pretty good. Um, and they would occasionally use it on David Letterman. I remember, like, as a cutaway gag. Really? Like, I don't remember. Kind of like, yeah, pretty gruesome for a cutaway gag, but it was late <laughs> night, so you did. Um, Edgy. What, what I was going to say was, uh, it always surprised me when they had things in TV shows where a parent would reveal or a kid would find out that they were adopted. And they would lose their minds. And it's like, well, I knew from the get-go. Like, the, yeah. we had two books. One was a real base, like, real, you know, simple, simple. You can read it when you're five book. Yeah. One was more complicated if, you know, I want to read deeper into the whole thing. But I didn't because it's boring. It's just like, <laughs> oh, yeah, you went to an adoption agency. You picked me up and I got it. And then, and then we adopted. I just say we. I didn't have anything to do with it. But adopted my sister <laughs> yeah. when I was two. Okay. And and I clearly remember that. Okay. Uh, uh-huh. So I'm like, yeah, I get it. I know what the room looked like. I wanted. To, uh, I picked up a guitar that they had there, a little, a little toy guitar, and I really wanted to take the guitar. And instead, we were going to take a baby. And I was like, Gah, take the guitar. <laughs> and I was really arguing with my parents, like, don't take her. Take the guitar. Mm-hmm. You fools. And, uh, I, you know, 
we've we've since gotten along a bit better than that. But uh, if I become a guitar player, it would be a fantastic story to tell. You're 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 a shocking older brother who didn't want assembling. Wow, that's yeah. <laughs> I want a guitar. The book of cliches. Pretty great. Yeah, I don't I don't. I was very pleased about my brother showing up in 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 the uh, picture, but but I don't remember. Um, Do you not remember seeing your brothers for the first times? I remember. I do remember my my brother Cam being born. You were actually in the delivery. I was actually no. I was in the waiting room with my dad, smoking cigarettes and pacing. Because <laughs> you're both ad executives. Yeah, you were yeah. going over the uh, Schneider account. Going over the account, you know. Like, uh, no, I remember being dropped off at my aunt's house because my mom, my mom had, I guess her water had broke, and so so they were going to the hospital, and so my brother, my my middle brother and me, we were sent to my aunt's or we were brought over to my aunt's quite late at night. And that's why I guess it's kind of a, memor- a memorable thing. And so we stayed over there and then my mom and dad went to the hospital and then my mom, my mom produced my, my youngest brother. But I, I do remember that. I don't remember my, my other brother showing up in the picture. To be honest with you, I don't have like a lot of early memories. Okay. I'm always surprised when people talk about, you know, how they can remember being born or they can remember. Well, people who remember being born is really something. I can remember my first taste of tit, you know, and I don't, I don't remember Jeez. that at all. I don't remember that. I just, I, I, most of my memories kind of occur later. What's that, sorry? Can you remember your last one? Yeah, that's, it seems more likely, I would think. But yeah, I don't even remember that stuff. So I, um, I do, like, I do remember, I'm kind of surprised that I remember that one, that one little, but I guess it was such a, was such a, like, surprising thing, you know, that we were like p- p- bundled out of bed late at night and taken to our to our aunts and then there's a whole lot of rigmarole and excitement and my mom and dad left and they raced off to the hospital and and then we were with say i guess we went to bed again i don't remember that part of it i just remember the outside part of it like i was just sort of arriving at night in the dark and it was cold and you know how it is you remember when you're a kid and you got like bundled out of like a like it doesn't seem to happen the way it did when i was a kid like my mom and dad my mom anyway couldn't wait for us to get to bed so it seems like when we went to like anyone's house a friends or an aunt and uncles or whatever, we were we went to bed. At some point in the at night, we were just we went to bed, and then and then it, during the moment and dad were leaving, we would get picked up, carried out to the car, and put into the back of the car, and then they would drive home, and Aww. we would we would might you might fake being asleep so you get carried into the house, which is by the way the best idea because then you can avoid the cold ground and all that stuff. But yeah, but yeah, like it doesn't seem like I tried to do that with the girls, but Mary was a terrible sleeper, and. uh and I just kind of gave up there, and I just was like, "Oh, whatever, those days are done." <laughs> I guess no one does this anymore. But it just seemed like when I did it, people were like, "Were like remarking on it, like, why are you putting them to bed?" You know, because well, they're three and they're tired. Like that's yeah, yeah. it's only going to get worse. Like they're not going to get happy. They're not going to get happier now. <laughs> so yeah, yeah. Well, you take them to a Starbucks, get them a couple of shots, <laughs> and, uh, right, keep them awake, and uh, then see if they can write a screenplay or not. <laughs> but yeah, it's, it's it's weird. I I used, I mean, I never, I never. I mean, I was used to, it was my life, right? So I, it's not like I went, there must be some alternative to sleeping at a, at a, at a relative's house. But, but yeah, it's still pretty like vividly fresh in my mind that being carried out to the car and how cold the car was, you know. I have a really strong memory of like being carried out to a car and we, I was lying in the back seat, mm-hmm. and, then, and then my dad going, whoa. And, uh, and so I got up like immediately. And I looked and, and watched a car just start flipping over in front of our car. Wow. Like, just flip flip over, like, uh, on the side. Like, yeah, over yeah. And over and yeah. over and over again. 
And uh, and then uh, he, I think he said some swear that I did not understand. And we, kept, uh, we kept driving. And yeah, I was like, huh? And I was so sleepy, I went right back to sleep. But it, but I asked him about it later on, and it did happen. Yeah, yeah. That's... Real strong memory of that. That was like, a, huh? Well, that is a uh, I, that's out of the ordinary for sure. Those are the it sort is. of things you remember. Hopefully, you don't want a lot of that on the road. <laughs> I feel like most of my memories start around kindergarten, but I might be exaggerating. No, I got kindergarten. Yeah, I got that. My, my earliest memory probably is I'm a baby because uh, I'm crawling. So I assume I'm crawling because not really doing the walking thing yet. Okay. And I'm at my grandmother's place and I remember being yelled at first, like in the same uh, trip because I, I grabbed my, my grandfather had a tie rack and I was grabbing the ties. Okay. Uh, and, uh, and I uh, got yelled at for that. I think it was the first time I was ever yelled at. It was weird that my grandparents were yelling at me. It was like, it wasn't like scary. It was like, what's this about? Like, it was like, <laughs> it's wrong. Uh, but I remember like being in the bedroom cause I'm next to a giant bed. And, uh, and and crawling past a mirror and seeing myself in the mirror. Oh. And I remember that and going, huh. Huh. And a bit of that. And I think I remember being on a train to get there, which would mean that it was in Hamilton, Ontario. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Huh. Which is what the musical Hamilton is based on. Or was originally based on. It was on <laughs> Hamilton, Ontario. Oh, Hamilton. But it changes you... later and it became what it is. Sure, yeah. You crawling past the mirror and seeing yourself. Yeah. Your moment, your sudden, your moment of of uh awareness of that you were a that you were a being up to that point you were just like you just you had no concept of yourself other than as a pair of hands in front of you yeah and i was crawling going how does a bastard orphan son of a whore and like hey it's me (laughs) i had a real low opinion of myself really well i just found out i was adopted yeah, so yeah. I read this well, that's book. that's not the kind of terminology they should use in a book for five-year-olds. That's my. Opinion. Well, that's probably uh, true. I, I was a bastard, though. I mean, I can't uh, I can't disagree with that. That was true. Good point. Uh, <laughs> song in my head. <laughs> but yeah, it always, do you know it always, that's a you know that's a fact? Uh, um, it seems likely. You're right. It is extremely likely. Yeah, I've I've recently uh, come into contact with a couple of second cousins of mine. Okay. Uh, the biological second cousins because of, uh, I guess, Ancestry.com or one of those sites. And, uh, and uh, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm working my way towards finding out. But, yeah, much, very likely, it would be unlikely that a married couple would, uh, would give up a child for adoption. That, <laughs> the odds are very slim that that would have been the case. Could have happened, but probably not. Probably am a, a bastard. Yeah. I kind of I kind of cheaped out a little bit because there's like ancestry.com mm-hmm. there's um 23andme there's count your rings where they just slice you open and count your rings. Well that's that's when I was uh, leaves on a tree that's when I went with. <laughs> and it turns out oak. So yeah, it wasn't, the, uh, wasn't the quite Carney, what I wasn't quite what I was looking for but There's the Carney guy that will just guess your ethnicity. <laughs> guess your guess your ethnicity? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what what a trick. Yeah, and he'll 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 uh, say it using a racial slur. Oh, and I'm like, oh wow! But he'll use an old timey one. So yeah, it's not yeah. Offensive. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, that guy's a real bear baiter. Like, what? What's that? <laughs> That's mean? Like, you know that. like, oh, an Irish. I get you. Yes, what? Indeed. Bear baiter? Huh. Yeah. Okay. That's that is old fashioned. Yeah, that guy's a real mushroom digger. What is that? You know that guy? Mm, yes, sir. <laughs> is that Serbian? That guy fancies the clams. <laughs> Oh, I'm trying, I'm trying to parse them out now. Yeah. Fancies the clams. Uh, I'm going to say that 
Oh, that's obvious. And there's a kangaroo fucker. <laughs> like, okay, you know, that kind of thing. Well, hmm. That's well, Australian. <laughs> <laughs> oh, okay. I thought it was old. I thought it was really old. I thought it was older. Yeah, than that. it's really old because yeah. they don't do that anymore. <laughs> Not publicly. Well, the the kangaroos had a word, and uh, <laughs> but uh, hey, mate, no, I'm like, all right, because you know they didn't know. But it took a while for the kangaroos to evolve the ability to say no. <laughs> By the way, no up, offense up to our that Australian point, listeners. Up until that point, it wasn't wrong. Up until that, yeah, that's right. If the if, once the animal can actually like, turn to you and go, no, you gotta go. okay, would you mind? Yeah, which is why people can't make love to parrots, because <laughs> they can very quickly go, no. I'm like, all right, well, I heard that. <laughs> no means no. That's where the that's where that that legal uh, that legal uh, thing the the mimicry law came in. That's right. Yeah. Was it was it no means no, but does a Mimic no mean mimic no. That's the oh, question. Oh boy, yeah. There was a whole. Uh, <laughs> you don't know. Legal case. <laughs> the legal case of I don't want jury duty for that. <laughs> no one wants jury duty. Yeah, and the thing was, they had to have half of the jury be parrots, just to be fair. That's <laughs> like, fair. They just kept repeating what the lawyer said, so it all took twice as long. <laughs> <laughs> Yes, the whole thing was settled out of court for out of out of court for crackers. There you go. Yeah. Well done. You know what? It's, this show isn't going to get better than that. <laughs> it's not, it's is it? Well, this, this is all right. This is the saddest thing I've ever heard in my life. It's almost as sad as the apple I was just eating before I started the show. <clears throat> oh, have you been getting some bad apples? Yeah, not even the metaphorical ones. No, I've Literal. been. Uh, I've been. Yeah, I've I've been ordering uh, groceries, and uh, the apples I've been getting have not been good. They've been soft. Soft I don't like. I don't like pulpy apples. I, yeah, I'm a, I'm a, no, no, I'm a crisp like, guy. I'm a crisp I gotta guy. figure out something to do with these uh, with these apples because I don't like wasting food. But Ooh. they are not. Uh, they are not for chewing. What? What kind of apples are they? Do you know? Like, do they send um, you a? I think they're gala apples. Really, gala normally are crisp and uh, and rather sweet. Which is why I am uh, surprised. Yeah. Yeah. That's uh, that's the thing, and that's the thing. So that what are you gonna do? I'll my, take, my current I'll... my current go to apple is uh, is the pink lady apple. And that is a nice apple. I like a Fuji apple. I like a prince. Used pink to be lady called apple. used to be called the Crips, the pink lady. Oh, is that right? Yeah, uh, I guess it was found by Mister Crip, but I guess the name does not sell. Hmm. No one wants to buy a Crips apple, so they uh, changed it to Pink Lady. Is it because it sounds too much like the gang? <laughs> well. Because it sounds like a crisp apple. That's what it sounds yeah, like. Yeah. So when I hear it, it's like, oh, that mm, sounds good. That's sounds a pretty nice good. crisp apple. That sounds tasty. I don't it's know. It's like, you know, would you I... like a, a, a crisp apple or a delicious apple? It's like, <laughs> both sound good. Both sound good. But the but delicious, delicious is not delicious, though. That's the, that's the irony Yeah, of it. delicious is uh, it's a surprise, yeah. The red delicious I... or the golden delicious are both pulpy, yucky uh, apples. A little too pulpy. You're absolutely, you're not, yeah. you're not wrong. And I you're ha- not incorrect. The one I'm eating... It's half eaten because I'm really not fond of it. It's a it's a sunset, which I'm not mm. not too familiar with, and it could be good. It's just that the problem is, is if you don't know the apple, you don't know its season. Mm. So you have to know like when it's finished its season, then you know if you're still getting them in stores, you're getting ones that have been sitting for a while, and they're gonna they're not gonna be crisp anymore. Okay. So you have to kind of keep keep that in mind when you're buying your apples. You can't. You can't get pink ladies all year, right? Because eventually they, they get softer and, and yucky. And then you have to... 
But we're kind of need, we're kind of I lucky need, though because we get apples from around the world, of course. So yeah, I need a website that just tells me what Apple to eat today. Like what's <laughs> what's the good Apple today? And I'll just go like get a Fuji. Like, yeah. I'm on it. Northern Spy. Where am I supposed to find that? Yeah. I, uh, I used to like go and just get them myself from my local market and they are good. And I should just do that. But I'm, but I'm ordering so many things now, uh, from like on Instacart, you know, to, to being delivered. Cause yeah. I've got like the, I got a bunch of heavy stuff that needs to be like, you know, a bunch of cans and stuff. Sure. So, so, you know, it's like, eh, throw in some apples. <laughs> eh. <laughs> I don't think yeah, I'd like well. that. I don't think I'd like that. I like, I, I don't like anyone but myself getting map. Lisa buys apples for, for me and, and, you know, she she knows what I like, so it's sort of well, pretty good. Well, you have an apple person, then and you don't need to. I don't need to. Yeah. If we all had an apple person, then Be we fine. wouldn't need to, to that at all. But yeah. some of us don't have an apple person, Dave. Mm-hmm. Sorry. Yeah, that's but okay. I think fruit is the, one of the most personal things that we buy. It's also weird now because you're not really supposed to touch a lot of the fruit, so it's like you see one, and you're like, hmm. And like I, you want to, you want to like get in there and like get the best ones and do. But you're like, I'm a bad person to do this. Poison. Just buy, like, a, yeah. just buy a bag that sixty percent of them are good. Yeah, that's the thing. That's what I do. I do. I, I get the bagged apples, and then you're like, oh, that's good. Oh, that's good. Oh no, <laughs> oh, we'll mistake this one. Yeah, I think that's. I think they're like are set that way. So there's like. There's 40% garbage just, you know, to get rid of Yeah, it. the worst ones right now, and again, it's, it's just me being dumb, are like the equivalent of whatever the mandarin oranges, like the halo oranges, little tiny ones. Mm-hmm. And I don't I don't eat those, but um, but uh, Pia really likes those, and my sister-in-law likes those. Mm. So I would get those, and almost every freaking time, like if I don't, if I don't specifically go and go pick them and I get yeah. them ordered, uh, like half of them are rotten, like rotten, rotten. Yeah, and yeah. If they're not rotten, then within like three days, mold. Immediately <laughs> mold. And it's just, what's the, why? Mm. No pride in orange. They're a, they're a traveling orange, though, right? So. Yeah. They, the, They've been uh, around the world tonight. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> they, they, rape, they ripen before you get them. So. Yeah, that's the way, that's the way this is. That's the way it so, goes. So you gotta, you gotta acknowledge that. I mean, that's the yeah. thing. Like, we live in this world that has a weird economy, right? Like. It just it just seems weird to me like when you go to a store, they go to the the you could go to your fruit stand, local fruit stand, and yeah. you lift up an orange and it's from South Africa, and you're like, wow, that's come a long way. That is this even economical? Like it makes no sense to me. Yeah, I remember uh, that was like a, a joke someone once said uh, when we someone ordered lobster at this restaurant on Granville Island. Okay, and uh, they said to, to the waiter. Uh, that uh, they'd just been from uh, Halifax. We'd both been from Halifax, but in order to lobster. Yeah. And, uh, and he said, the lobster there just cost da 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 And uh, the waiter goes, yeah, that's right. It came on the same flight you did. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's right. This lobster did not, you know, walk across the country. Of it. So, yeah, it's a, it's a, you get something from the other side of mm. your country, it's going to cost you a bit more money. Yeah, they're time sensitive. I remember my, when my, my brother-in-law... Well, he still works for an aero, for like an aircraft company, but at that time he was more like part of the ground crew kind of situation. And yeah, and this plane landed, and I guess they were late with the lobsters, and the lobsters were no good, like no good. To, they couldn't sell them. Yeah. So they just but gave, you can, but you can still eat them. Yeah. So they just gave them out to the people, and so he like got a couple, and he brought them home, and then my mother in law cooked them up, and that was the first time I ever had lobster actually. And what was your thoughts on it? Uh the butter is very good. Yeah, butter is good. Yeah, butter is good. 
like butter. That's the thing. It's like uh, he goes like, "This is really great and delicious." And like, okay, let me take some tofu right now. And let, me, <laughs> let me soak some tofu in butter. And now let's uh, give that to you. Yeah. What do you think? Yeah. It's delicious. Of course it is. Of course it it's is. butter. <laughs> it is. Do you like this corn soaked in butter? Yeah, it's great. A popcorn soaked in butter, fantastic. Bean soaked in butter. Mm-hmm. Like yeah, it's butter. <laughs> that's what. That's the. That's the. That's the ticket. No, you're right. Like, it's, if uh, you do, if you do go to uh, Halifax sometime, and I hope we do, uh, then uh, we'll try. We'll try a little of that. Mm-hmm. Try some stuff, and yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a, it's very, it is very different. You think like the ocean's the ocean, but the the, the food is very different over there. I do, I do like lobster. I think it's quite tasty, but uh, it's not like super flavorful. It's you know, it's good. It's good. How about uh, crab? Yeah, crab's fine. Okay. Well, once again, see crab. I have had very fresh one time when I was working on. The fishing boat, we pulled up our anchor and, and there was a crab trap that had got caught on the anchor. And so it came up and there was a bunch of crabs in it. And of course, we just kind of like took the crabs out and put the, and put the, quietly put the uh, crab trap back down. <laughs> and uh, we had crab for, for lunch. And yeah, that was very fresh and quite good. Yeah. Okay. What was the, what size of kitchen did you have in, the, in on your ship to to be able to cook up like some crab on the boat? Mm, it was quite. It was pretty pretty big. It wasn't. It's a big boat. It was like fifty feet long. Okay. You know, and so the the wheelhouse where where you know we slept and where we watched TV during downtimes or um, you know ate and stuff like that. It was quite. It was quite roomy. Like it. It was probably the size of. Um, I'll make it equivalent for you. Probably the size of. Yeah, dump dumb it down for me. <laughs> it would be about the size of uh, your living room. Okay, and yeah. everyone knows what my living room is, so that'll. No, no, sense. but that I, I'm I trying to make it. Uh, let well, me. Now, I can't really. How, like, what would that be? Like twenty by twenty, somewhere, somewhere around there. Something like that. Yeah, it was, now what, it was pretty big. Uh, I'm going to ask you a weird text, a weird question, but it's just something that interests me. Sure. So, okay, so you guys are cooking up some uh, crabs. Yeah. Now, do you when you fill up the pot with? I assumed you 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 went with boiling the crabs. Yeah, I'm assuming. Okay. Yeah. Now, do you do you use seawater in boiling the crabs, or do you have fresh water that you've got there, and do you use the fresh water for boiling the crabs, or uh, is it well, I didn't seawater here. Might as well just use the seawater. I did not do the cooking. My, the skipper did the cooking. Yeah. That was part of the deal. So we were the deckhands. He was the skipper. Yeah, I'm just kind of curious, like if it makes sense since you're surrounded by water and yeah. salted water is not a bad thing to cook a. Like a, a crab. I don't know how clean the ocean water is, though. I mean, yeah, salt water is fine, but I don't know how far, clean. How far out are you? And well, is that a thing? Or I mean, we were use... we were out of sight of land. Yeah. Off, off the off the uh, west coast of Vancouver Island. It feels like that would be clean water out there. I guess. But but do you but do you tap into your fresh water and use that for boiling uh, something, or are you serving it or what have you? We didn't. Yeah, really, I don't really remember drinking the water very much, so. We tended to drink a lot of milk because the milk was mm-hmm. easy. Milk was easy to store because you just kept it in the in the freezer. It was a freezer boat, okay. So you had like the entire hull of the boat was dedicated to holding fish, and also you had some you had some of your supplies there. Apparently, limitless amount of ice cream that was brought and stuff like that, and pies ah, and things. Nice. Yeah, it was really good. We ate really well. Excellent. Yeah. No, I'm just kind of curious. Not just uh, because we not just because we you know stole someone's crabs and accidentally caught a halibut one time and things like that, you know. We but to, you, you know, you, you guys were doing like high energy work all day long, so you need to get some food in you. you <laughs> we ate a lot. Know. We ate a lot, and I remember thinking when I went on the boat, I was thinking like, "Oh man, I'm gonna, I'm gonna lose a lot of weight because I'm gonna be working really hard on this boat. This is gonna be great." And I actually like came off exactly the same weight, even though 
quite often I was eating a third of a pie and a third of a brick of ice cream a night. So mm. that was my dessert. He would just cut a pie into thirds and then he just cut a piece of uh, like a brick of ice cream. He just cut it into thirds. And then he just put them on a plate. There's dessert. Well, like, I, I, I'm in. <laughs> it's not a, that is not a surprise to me. Oh, speaking of desserts, I've got to, uh, I, I definitely have to mention this. Um, Louise Moon took the ooey gooey uh, cake challenge yeah. uh, from last week and uh, brought us, and by us, I mean me, um, uh, some cakes. You made it. Wow. The cake that we were talking about. Yeah. And it, was, uh, it was quite good. Yeah. And uh, uh, what it tasted like to me was a Twinkie, but it was like, it was like if you, and again, this sounds like we're crazy world travelers, but like when you drink orange juice here and you go, mm, that is really nice orange juice. What a delicious glass of orange juice. Yeah. And then you go to Spain and you drink a glass of orange juice and you go, motherfucker, this is what orange juice should have tasted. <laughs> That's exactly, this is, this is, it's not even close, not even close. Valencia, orange is so good. Okay. It, it's like if, if the orange juice from here is a Twinkie, then what, a Twinkie is based on this delicious, uh, real cake. Uh, that's what this is. That's okay. Is. Okay. And uh, she uh, gave me the recipe as well. So if anyone wants the recipe, write us at sneakyd at sneakydragon.com and I will send you the recipe uh, for this uh, ooey gooey uh, mm. cake that every city seems to claim as their <laughs> own, but it is, uh, you know, had to have been invented somewhere. So th- some, some, some cities are dirty liars, is what I'm saying. But thank you, Louise, uh, for mm. that. That was delightful. And then she hung out on our, on our porch, and we had a nice talk. And uh, I realized halfway through that it would look like a talk show because me and my wife were like on one side of these chairs, and she was on the other. And I was like, "This looks like a TV talk show." Um, and I really wanted to throw it a commercial at some point, but it was delightful catching up. Take it away, Johnny. Yep. Uh, I wish I'd got it. I mean, this this is not sour grapes or bitter, but I wish I'd got a taste of the cake, but just to compare. What I had and with what Louise cooked from a different, well, possibly a different late. recipe. It's not too late. It still is in our fridge. If you can make <laughs> it in the next two days, we'll give you some pieces of uh, ooey gooey butter cake. All right. Yeah. All right. We'll see. We'll see. Yeah. She took the challenge. She took the challenge. So good for her. And by the way, it is it is excellent uh, having both friends and listeners that will uh, make us cakes if we challenge them to. <laughs> that is very good. Yeah, this is when you know that your hobby is a good one. When uh, you know you get these little side uh, side hustles. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's nice, nice. You know, this is again when we've had uh, we did our thing like a while back where we had some listeners on our show and took them to White Spot and did all this uh, stuff with them, and that was always fun. Yeah. Uh, but quite often people would bring us snacks, mm-hmm. and they were always great. Like yeah. we, I don't. I know there's the thing people do where just like, uh, our fans are the greatest fans in the world. I don't know. Maybe our fans are jerks. They might be. It's possible. <laughs> you might all be assholes. I have no idea, really. But let me say this. What a story. Our yeah. listeners can bake. Mm-hmm. They can bake great, delicious things. Holy cow. That's good. Yep. Well, I'm I'm uh, I'm glad that you got a taste of the um, gooey butter cake. Ooey gooey butter cake, Yes. Ah, well, maybe that's where we're, we're splitting off here, because it should just be gooey butter cake. Okay, well, uh, sorry, I, I've got, uh, uh, Louise says she took the ooey gooey butter cake challenge, as we will hear when I read her letter later yeah, on yeah. In, this, uh, in this program. I think I think it somehow got expanded upon while you, when you were doing your interset, internet research. Sure, you know what, and that makes it Canadian then. 
If you get the Canadian version of it, then it's the ooey gooey butter cake. Because you're right, it was not a million miles away from like a, a butter tart. Oh, so, so you thought so as well then? It was butter tart esque, yes, I will give you that. Okay. Yeah, there's something about it that has a bit of a. I guess it's. I guess there must be some caramelization of the, the butter or of the, the sugar. It's There's a lot of sugar in it. There's There is a stunning amount of sugar in it. To you go like this is great, this is great. Oh my lord, what's happening? Okay, <laughs> settle down, settle down. Okay, all right. I'm gonna go run around the block and I'll come back and uh, here we go. But it was it was really really good. So thank I'm you good. again. Um, speaking of people who can uh, cook really well, mm-hmm. who listen to our show or yeah. used to at least, uh, I, I I finished reading uh, Kathleen Gross's uh, book uh, Joe based oh, on cool. uh, Little Women. Yes. And uh, and uh, very much enjoyed it. So I just want to throw that out there. It's now for sale. Uh, so, you know, get it from your local bookstore. If you like Little Women, and you go like, wait a minute, I know how Little Women goes. Uh, I don't need to see, read this again. <laughs> he has her own take on it. Nice, <laughs> yeah. fresh take. Yeah. Um, and also very well uh, drawn and uh, worth your time. So go to your local bookstore and order Joe. By Kathleen Gross, G R O S. Yes, I, yeah. I have not got as far as you. I'm, I'm ashamed to say. I, I've been a bit busy. I've been That's a little right. bit busy with stuff, and so I have not been reading with my usual alacrity. We had an incredibly. I don't know if I mentioned it last week, but I was working on it. I started working on it last week. This ginormous um, order that was uh, 95 doors going, and and so uh, this person. The person who was on their end, they're like, "Okay, we've we have uh, we're we're paying for 25 feet of container space. So I want you to put these 95 doors into 25 feet of container space." And the my boss and I were like talking about it. And I'm like, both of us are like, "There's no way that that's going to fit into 25 feet. Like it's impossible. Like this, it's." And he's like, "Yeah, I know. This is. I'm gonna phone. I'm gonna phone the the uh, container, you know, for the trucking company and just say, you know, can we use more than." Then, then 25 feet. And so he did. And the lady's like, oh, yeah, that's fine. Just whatever you want. So it was a 40-foot container. It literally, we finished today, finally finished loading everything on today. Like it was yesterday, I thought it was going to die. We were loading these these big sections up super high and up, up on, because we, everything had to be like floor to ceiling with minimum, a minimum, anything but just like the 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 um, product. So we couldn't, we, I the way I figured it was we just were using like minimum amounts of what we call dunnage, which is like scab panels that we can just use as as uh, just sacrificial panels to keep keep the actual doors safe from other doors. So, okay. for instance, if I'm if I have like a 16 foot long door and I'm going to put a bunch of 14 footers on top of it, I'll put a piece of dunnage down that's the length of the 16 foot doors, so the the 14 foot don't crush down and, and dent the 16. Mm-hmm. So we did we did 90, 97 doors in the end, and we used two pieces of dunnage. One was just so we could we had to cut it down, cut it from a twenty one to a to a um, basically an eighteen foot section, and then eighteen by sixteen sixteen foot by eighteen inch section. Just pushed it pushed it in, and then slid more doors on their side down inside in two stacks, and just into this space that we would just because we had to use every available bit of square footage because at the end we got to the very end of having everything on it and the final like we finally just put the pallets on of boxes and they were like six inches from the door and <laughs> we just filled filled this 40 footer with all this stuff it was just crazy and i mean and there was like no wasted space literally it was like packed everything was packed it was packed 
to the gills. So they'll be happy. I'm, you know, that's what oh, they that's want because they're paying for they're paying for it, right? Like the first time they ordered uh, from us, they ordered like a smallish amount, and I think my warehouse manager is a little paranoid about us, you know, them ordering too many doors. But I kept saying, this is not enough. Like, we're not going to have much of a load. And he's like, oh, no, I think we're going to be full. And I'm like, uh, okay. And so it ended up they were like half stacks. Well, they're paying for all this air, right, to go up there. So because it's going from us up to Alaska. And so, yeah, like, so I think he was kind of unhappy with that. So the next one we got was 69 doors. And that was like a like a half a container, like packed. But this one was you know, almost double that. Well, not quite double, but it's, it's so hard to say. Cause when you say like 95 doors, you just don't know how many, how big the doors are or what, you know what I mean? So yeah. like if it's 95, eight foot doors and it's not that much, but if it's 95, they, 16 are, foot doors, but it was a lot. Are they all the size. same door? No, they're all kinds of different sizes. Right. So like the biggest okay. one was biggest one was a 23 foot eight inch door. Like that's wide. And I think it was 16 feet high and there's two of them. So that's, that's uh 16 sections of stuff so you know that was like a 34 inch stack for instance and so you get that and then you have to like stack on top of that so then i like i put 12 footers back to back on top of it so i could take my 12 foot i had 54 inches of them and i halved it down to 27 inches so i'm, I'm constantly thinking about you know keeping everything compressed as much as possible and to and to use up because like 12 footers, for instance, are hard to combine with other things. So putting them together on a 24 was like absolutely perfect for me. And then I put 14s and 10s together on top of that and then finished with 18s just to get them out of the way. And then I just did two huge rows of 16s. And that pretty much took care of the back of like the container. And if, if that was all we had, it would have been perfect. 25 feet was doable. But no, we still had like a whole bunch more of more doors to go. We did, you know, we hadn't got all our 16s up. We had still had a bunch of 14s left over. We had nines and eights to go. So it was just like a huge, huge thing to do. And, and me, and one, me and one guy did it yesterday. And um, then uh, we mostly did it today. And then someone else had to, had to uh, tag in. And, we, and he and I finished it off. But yeah, it was, uh, it was quite the thing. So I'm just picturing you packing all the doors from Monsters, Inc. <laughs> but these are, yeah, these are garage doors. So yeah. it's hard to, yeah, it's hard to explain because they're like, they're, you know, so you're, you're packing like about a, I'd say that the packs for 16 footers are around maybe a hundred pounds each. Mm-hmm. So you're lifting those up over your head, you know, and putting them up as high as eight, almost nine feet in the air. So it's a lot of like lifting to get, to, you know, fighting gravity to get them up into the air. And there's just two of you doing it. And then you're also like trying to like do it while climbing up a ladder <laughs> to reach up to that height. So it's, uh, it's all, it's all quite uh, fun. And by fun, I mean, I almost thought I was going to have a heart attack yesterday. But the guy I was working with, he's not the the strongest guy in the world. There's another one I really prefer to work with, but he was not available. So I had to work with someone someone else. So, And he's a super nice guy I was working with, but it's just that he's not like the strongest guy in the world. So, you know, you're like, take it up a certain height and then he can't do anything. So you're just stuck holding it in one place while he's like trying to maneuver around and then your arm's getting tired and it gets harder to like make that big last push. So it was a lot of like us resting and, and stuff. But we... We got it all done, so that was good. Good on you. Yeah, it was a lot of... I mean, I really enjoy it. It sounds like it is, it is a lot of work, but I just enjoy like, the challenge of like trying to fit all this stuff into this space and, and uh, make it all work. And Just real-life Tetris. It, yeah, it's, it's right. Yeah, it's a real-life Tetris. Yeah, you have to picture the container standing upright, and then it would be Tetris, but instead it's laying, on its, <laughs> it's laying flat, but it's like, it's like flat Tetris. Yeah, no, it's, uh, it's good. We got, it all, we got it all done. Well, so. you've always been a good person to have around when someone's moving. 
So, you know, you know how to, you know how to move things and put things in things and put them in things in a way that <laughs> they can get them all in those things. Yes. Yeah. I like, I like to, to, uh, yeah. Yeah. That's something that I, when I first started working warehouses, I just started working warehouses cause I needed a job, but that's something I immediately learned to love about them was the stacking and, and getting pallets ready and stuff like that. I just, I enjoy the act of organizing things and whatever reason, for whatever reason, which I'm not super, I wouldn't say I'm like really strong, like geometrically, like my, my like sense of like shapes and stuff like that around me isn't, isn't really great. Like I have a, like say your car, you know, knowing where your car ends and stuff like that. I'm not like super great at that, but I'm really good at like looking at stuff and then knowing how it's going to fit into something else. I don't know why that. So you'd be good at packing uh, your car. Like if you had a bunch of stuff you had to put in your car, you'd know. Mm-hmm. How to do it. Oh yeah. I, okay. uh, yeah. I can do it really easily. And like, like I say, with all the doors and stuff like that, like I, you know, I just line them all up and then I just look at them and I go, okay, this is what we're going to do. Cause I can see right away, like how it's all going to work. And you know, and then when we get to the end, it's, it some, somehow works perfectly because we have exactly the space we need, you know. So. Yeah, when I'm whenever I'm moving, I just look at the stuff and just go, well, this is impossible. Can't happen. <laughs> get a match. Get a match, hon. We're going to burn it all in the backyard. Burn it all. Mm. Yeah, we'll don't, start fresh. We'll start don't fresh. Don't blame we'll you. Don't blame you. Yeah. Yeah, no, I, no idea. <laughs> well, I love, moving, I love moving books and records and CDs mm-hmm. because they're easy to pack. There's, you know, there are square items you're putting into square boxes and you can, you know, and if you have like uniform shaped boxes, you pretty much learn like, oh, the CDs go in this way the best. So I'll just repeat this pattern over and over again until I'm, I got all my CDs in boxes and same with records or whatever. But I don't like packing plates or clothes or like bed, you know, your bed linens and stuff like that. All that stuff. It's like, ugh, let's just burn it and we'll buy new clothes and sheets. Like we don't need, we don't need this stuff. We need our books. We need records. We need CDs, obviously. Everything else, well, the furniture is easy too because the furniture you just carry out, put into something, take it out and put it put it where it's going to go. That that's easy. But I just don't enjoy. Um, I don't enjoy packing. I I mean, I'm good at it. I remember one time I helped a friend move. He got kicked out of his house, not for any. It wasn't terrible, but he just he was living illegally in a ba- old bachelor farmhouse in Langley, okay. and and it was le- it was legal. Like I mean, he was paying rent to a landlord, but the house was it was condemned in quotation marks because it was it was old the electricity wasn't up to to uh you know stand up to the our, cold. our last house we we had to leave because apparently ours was there you that, go that yeah, yeah. yeah and i think that's what what yeah if someone goes and looks closer they're like well wait a second this is just single current wiring or whatever you know like so so uh yeah it was it was condemned but he lived there for like 15 years oh and one time the the inspector was coming to inspect it and he had to move everything out of the house the inspector came and looked around and then he left and then he moved everything back into it again. And he had a lot of stuff. He had a lot of stuff. So, but when he got, when he got, when he had to move, at first he was like in total denial. Like he seemed to think that his landlord was going to come over and go, you know what? Forget it. We're not going to develop the property and make a lot of money. We're just going to let you live in his old house here. So, uh, so I pretty much had to take over the, the move and I was just doing all the packing, packing all the boxes for him, like everything ready. I remember packing it and packing like, like globes from lights you know like the you know the big like a big round ball that the light bulb is hidden by you know so yeah i don't know why i had like he had like a bunch of these things i don't know why he had them but anyway so i'm like packing them in boxes and then i'm packing all his plates and packing um i remember and then i got down to the point where i was i started packing like tabasco sauce bottles like old old tabasco sauce bottles and i was like i finally said you know what if you want to take your tabasco sauce bottles you pack them 
I'm not going to pack tobacco. Because the next thing I was looking at was he had like all this collection of like these honeybee shaped, like hive shaped, you know, like, like the honeybee, honey containers, but they look like a hive. Yeah. Like he had like 50 of these things. I guess he like when he used it up, he just put it in the cupboard. I washed it out and then he put it in the cupboard. And so and I was just like, I'm, why am I packing old plastic honey honeybee hives? So I just said, you know, I'm just not going to, I'm not going to do that. I've packed enough for you. That's enough. I like that it's basically like that show, uh, Hot Ones, or what is it, Hot Topics? Uh, hot Ones, they, the, the question show? Yeah, 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 yeah. But basically it was like you went through your amount of hot sauces until you stopped. <laughs> Just it empty. Was like, no! It was, all, it was all the same. It was all Tabasco sauce bottles, though. That's all it sure. was. This is like... 50 to 100 Tabasco sauce bottles that he just put in his cupboard when he's he'd wash them out well I, mean, I know because he what he would do is he would get near the end of his Tabasco sauce so he would just put in clear vinegar and shake it around and then he just kind of like eke it out until it was all gone and then he just wash out the bottle then he put it in his cupboard and then here I was like carefully packing all this stuff and finally I was just like yeah I'm done yeah, I have packed also, dishes globes books yeah, records CDs that, like, I, I mean listen <laughs> Hot sauce is Tabasco. Yeah, it's not. Uh, uh, it's not the priciest sauce. No. So, like, just get another bottle. Move along. <laughs> well, I have no problem with eking out a little bit of, uh, you know, by adding. I, I do that. Uh, I do that. But you know, it's a. Uh, it's more. It was more just like the uselessness of why are we packing it's all this something. stuff? Like, yeah, there's, there's no, something. There's something. There. No one yeah, needs you, this you stuff. No one needs. You don't. It. You know the. You don't know the mindset. I get it. Like. Like, you could go through my stuff and just go, why do you have so much Star Trek The Next Generation dolls? And I'm like, it's a long story, Jack. It's a long, dark story. I can get into it, but let's just throw them all into a bin and move them to the next place. I'll, I'll find a home for them at some point in the, in the future. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I mean, yeah, someone could be helping me move and just be like, why Why are there so many books and records? Like, what, what do you need all this stuff for? Do you have duplicates of uh, books and records? Uh, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, there you go. That would be the thing that I'd be like, how many copies of this do you need? <laughs> well, sometimes I rebuy them because the record's been worn down by play. Okay. And so I've just replaced it. But I don't throw away the old one. I don't throw away the old one. Yeah, no, I can't. I can't do that. I can't do that. For some reason, I have a little bit of, I have a little, I'm a little bit of an animist, you know, like in the, in that, in the sense, like, I actually like, it's so weird, but if I put books together that I, that I'll be, that I think will not get along with each other, I feel bad. <laughs> yep, that's or, fine. Or records, I'll be like, oh, poor Beethoven has to be right near the, this person, you know. Like, oh, oh. I've got a surprising amount, like, uh, because of kind of what I do for a living, I know authors now, so, you know, the books that are by people that I know, yeah. I can't ever throw out. And so now I'm getting a collection of like, ugh, I can't, oh, it's too many of these. <laughs> too much of this. And uh, traditionally, I could, like, take books to a bookstore and like you know sell them and i'd be mm. fine with that that'd be great but uh, i can't do that with like books of people i know and i know too many people and now i know too many, i got too many books <laughs> and, uh, and uh, yeah uh, yeah i have no interest in selling and selling my books well i do because i want them to be okay we've got a different philosophy on this and my philosophy is i want books to be books so if i'm not gonna if i look at a book and i go like there's no way i'm reading this book again that it's not a book it's just an ornament it's just it's on a shelf it's a decoration and I want a book to, and again, you feel differently, that's totally fine. But like, I want a book to be a book and a book can only be a book if it's being read. And so, and it's better for it to be in a bookstore where it'll be picked up and someone will read it anew and then it'll have a second life 
than it is for it to be on my shelf as a, huh? Look at me. <laughs> no, I'm a, huh? Look at me. And also yeah. for me though, it's, it's not just that. I mean, all of the books I buy or most of the books that I buy, I buy with great intention. You know, I spend time looking for that book. Right. And so having that book is, is, you know, it's, and have like having it, not just like reading it, but having it right. is important to me because, you know, I spend a lot of time uh, getting, getting to that, getting that book. And, and I want to, and I want to have that book. And yeah, I also, I also look at my books as like a, um, that's for the girls too, right? Like, like Mary, Mary more than Eve. Mary is a super reader. Eve's just a normal reader, as she pointed out the other day at dinner time. Okay. She said, you know what's bad for me? I'm just a normal reader. I live in a family with everyone else who are just like super readers. And all they want to do is read, whereas I just, I just like to read. So I feel bad. And I'm like, yeah, I know. That's, I always, I've always said that about you, that you are a perfectly, you're a perfectly good reader, but you weren't an excellent reader like you're everyone else in the family. <laughs> so, yeah. It's weird. It's weird when you're like just a really good runner rather than Usain Bolt. You know what I mean? Sure. If you're like Usain Bolt's son and Usain Bolt's wife, him and his daughter all ran really fast, but his son was just like a good runner, like could outrun us quite easily. But isn't it, you know, is no, is no Usain Bolt. Well then, well, you know, what, what good are you? <laughs> uh, yeah. And I think Evie kind of felt that way. She's like, well, I'm... I'm in grade two, but I, I'm I'm not able to read Harry Potter books yet, like Mary was able to. What? I'm dumb. <laughs> so. I feel I feel this way. Like I've got a lot of uh, old video game systems as well. Yeah. And uh, and uh, uh, there's a bit of me that's like, uh, am I using these? Because if I'm not using them, that's this feels wrong. Mm -hmm. Like if there's something that can be used and it's not being used by me, and it's on a shelf of mine, I'm like, well, I might go back to it. Like I might just go like. Now I gotta I gotta break out the old Wii or I gotta break out the old Sega Genesis and I was I was kind of getting into that like last year and like play all these old cartridges but then almost all of these games are available now on the modern system just you know, and upresed and better and all this and it's like okay but it's weird getting rid of it like I get it it's a, there's a but connection really... you remember you remember when you bought it you yeah. remember how you played it you remember all this other stuff but to me there's just this weird philosophy in my head of a thing should be the thing that it is. So it's like, is it a game? Yeah. Is it being played? No, then it's not a game. It's not a board game if it's on your shelf and it's never going to be played again. That's not a board game. It's only a board game if it's going to be played. And it should be played. It should be the thing that it is. Mm -hmm. and, uh, and that's a tricky thing, too, with me in collecting comics. It's like I've got boxes of comics, and I'm like, someone should read these. These shouldn't be in a box just sitting here because... Someone wrote them. Someone drew them. There's a story in here. Someone would enjoy them. How can I get these to someone who would enjoy them? And uh, that's what the, that's what they should be. And it's just a philosophical change that happened in my brain a couple of years ago, where I'm like, get it out of here, get it to someone. But it's so tricky to be able to get it to the people that uh, should have it that they they still remain uh, here in my place. And, I, and again, I can't get rid of the books that friends of mine have done because you know. I'm so proud of my friends who have done these books that yeah. those are trophies. Yeah, that's that's different. I mean, that has an actual emotional attachment. You have an actual emotional attachment to them rather than just a an intellectual or you know certain interest. And I, and so, I'm sorry, someone just sent me a picture of their cut up arms. Yes, so, that, uh, there we go. that was me. That was me. I just I just noticed my arm was all like covered in cuts from <laughs> scrapes from lifting doors for two days. So. 
Oh, okay. I thought it was because I'm disturbing you so much talking about selling my books. No, 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 no. Slicing at your arms. No, no, no. And it's like the only way you can stop the pain of hearing. hearing (laughs) No, no. I I have no problem. I mean, you know what? I'm a collector. I I love that people give away their stuff. (laughs) Yes. Because then it's there for me to find. You know, like, and I have no. uh, I think that's great. So yeah, I'm I'm all I'm all for it. It's weird. My my mom did the uh, the old. Uh, one day I come home and didn't sell all my comics. I mm. think she knew better than that. Okay. But she so, sold all my games. She like took all my games and she uh, she she sent them, you know, gave them to charity or did something. And you know, and it was just this big stacked shelf full of games. Yeah. And like off we went. And oh, I was so what? <laughs> uh, I was like, like to this day I miss uh, this one game that was there called Gambler. Okay. That I just loved. I loved. Yeah. And it was like, it was just such a crime that she did this and gave them <laughs> to charity. Well, it's. And I just hated charity so much. Like, <laughs> damn you, charity. <laughs> oh, so mad. So mad. And that's funny because often those sort of experiences are what shapes people who hoard or collect in that, mm-hmm. in that way. You know, I don't think consider myself a hoarder. I think some people might consider me a hoarder, but I don't. Because I do get rid of stuff. I don't keep everything no, that I... No, you're clean. You're a clean person. Yeah. I, but, it's, but I mean, I guess I would agree that I'm a collector. I just don't think... I think hoarding is just like... I mean, and of course, it's all subjective. But, um, you know, like a collector, you're, you're collecting things of value to you. And you have like a sense of, you know... Like I, like I just don't go to a store and then ra- like randomly buy books. Right. Okay, so what would you say is the difference between you... And say someone that collects Tabasco bottles. Like, what is the, what is the difference? Since you brought that up, is like sure, that's sure. My breaking point. I don't. So. But it's not that he collected Tabasco. I just I I have no problem with someone collecting Tabasco bottles. I just don't want to have to box them up. Hmm. Do you know what I mean? Like I I am that's my that's my you know like I don't mind pack, p- packing books and stuff like that. It's just like when I get to that point of like I'm just packing up your collection of Tabasco sauce bottles. Like what? What value are these? And then if they do have value to you, then you should have no problem boxing them up. You know, like that's that's for you to do. I, I'm not going to step into this. But but yeah, I think that the difference between the two is that the books have an intrinsic value. They're not just items. They have meaning to you as as books, as whatever they are. You know, and so the books that you have, the books that you've collected, you know, you've collected because you're interested in those authors or you're interested in that genre of writing, you know? And so you have bought the, you have intentionally bought those books. They're not books that were given to me or that I just found or that I just sort of um, reflexively buy and then just keep books, you know, and just have like this big giant room full of like Harlequin romances and, and a bunch of old pot boilers and a bunch of, uh, you know, kind of hack, hacky, uh, you know, um, true crime novels or whatever. Like, you know, I have like specific authors that I collect and, you know, so I have like, I have a lot of books, but then I've, I, you know, I collect a lot of different authors over time because I've had different, you know, interests over time, you know, so I have my, like my Philip K. Dick shelf. I have my Charles Dickens shelf. I have my Patrick O'Brien shelf. I have my Aldous Huxley shelf. I have my Kurt Vonnegut shelf. I have my Evelyn Waugh shelf. I have my Anthony Trollope shelves. <laughs> I have, you know, so I, uh, you know, I have, and then I have like, you know, like a bunch of, of um, like syndicated comic strip paperbacks that I collected over time, you know, because I love Charlie Brown and I love BC and all those books like that. So I've got a bunch of those that are there, you know, 
and those books all have meaning to me. They're all, you know, some of them I've owned my entire life. You know, my Charlie Brown books have my my first house I lived in address written in them, you know. And, you know, so those books, and that's not just nostalgic value. It's just, I really like Peanuts. I really like those books. I really like, you know, I really like Trollope. And so I have spent many, many years collecting those books. Like when I started, first started reading Philip K. Dick, no one was reprinting Philip K. Dick at that time. The only way you could find Philip K. Dick books was in used, in used uh, records or used bookstores that didn't care right. about Philip K. Dick or at like Valley Villages and other thrift stores. Because if you went to like bookstores that cared about like Philip K. Dick, then the books were like $30, $20 for paperbacks because they were, they knew they were rare. And so they charged accordingly. Um, or if you're lucky, you just kind of stumbled upon them in, in places where they just kind of put them on the shelf and they weren't too, they weren't too beat up about the fact that they could possibly sell it to some person for $20, you know, but, but yeah. So, I mean, buying those books was like, look, took a long time. And that's probably, and one of the reasons that I have like multiple copies of them is because I would find a Philip K. Dick book and I'd be like, do I have this book? I'm pretty, <laughs> pretty sure I don't. Uh, and I wasn't like a, per- I know this, I had one of, a couple of my friends will like keep notes of books, they, books or records they want, but I can't be bothered with that. So, so I'm, for me, it's more like saying they're going, geez, do I, all right, I'll buy the penultimate truth. And then I get home and I'm like, ah, and I've got five of them. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, it's just, but you know, like all those, yeah, all those books and really, you know, same with my, my comic books and stuff or my graphic novel. I would novel recommend, by the way, that people do that with Sparks. It's like, <laughs> if, you, if you can't remember if you got it or not, make sure you buy another copy. Oh, what Sparks? Oh, Sparks? Yeah. It's a, it's a book about uh, two cats that want to be heroes, but no one takes cats seriously as heroes, so they dress up as a dog and they uh, save the world from an evil alien uh, baby. But there's a there's a, um, a sequel out now called Sparks Double Dog Dare. It's done written by me, you're the colorist, and Ina Matsumoto drew it. And it's uh, it was a best-selling book in Canada for about two months. That's yeah. great. And the other one was a best-selling book in Canada for about the same amount of time as well. So, hey, uh, check it out. And you know what? Local library, if you want, or buy it. Buy it is also good. Here's another thing I heard. I heard that um, you, Nina Matsumoto, and me, we were all guests on a podcast called Pages and Panels, and we uh, (laughs) talked about Sparks on there. And And so you should give listen to uh, that. We should plug that every week now for the rest of this podcast (laughs) because we feel we miss it. We feel so guilty for for not not promoting it at its launch. So that that uh, poor host is probably like, why? I thought we were gonna get a. I thought we were gonna get a sneaky dragon bump, and I didn't. What's going on here? <laughs> a sneaky dragon bump sounds like a like a that really does sound like a drug thing. <laughs> it's in the Urban Dictionary. Oh ugh. no, it's not. <laughs> Don't look it up. Don't look anything up. Sneaky in the Urban dragon dictionary. bump. Oh, it's just it's like if you have a choice of looking something up on WebMD or the Urban Dictionary, go WebMD. At least you'll uh, you'll feel terrible either way, but you won't feel nauseous. And if you do feel nauseous, look it up on WebMD. Yeah, cancer. <laughs> it's cancer. And as for hoarding, like having watched a little bit of that show Hoarders, which is a very hard show to watch, I find. I think I think that like hoarders have a compulsion to keep stuff that doesn't necessarily have value to them except as stuff they're keeping. You know, like piles it of newspapers. It is a mental illness. Yeah, it is a mental. It can, yeah, it's a mental yeah. illness, and so they're they're reflexively hanging on to stuff. It's usually you know there's usually kind of trauma associated with with yeah. it and stuff like that. But I just think that they're not as concerned about the package as they are about just having things. You know, it doesn't really matter to them. 
what it is that they they're holding on to. It could just be like old furniture, you know, piled up everywhere. You know, but there's a difference, right? Like the difference between a person who like collects Eames chairs and has a bunch of Eames chairs in their house. And if you went to their house and it was full of Eames chairs and you're like, well, I have a lot of Eames chairs. Yeah, I collect them. Oh, cool. You're going to go, oh, I guess you're an Eames chair hoarder. But if you went to a person's house and he had like Eames chairs and they're all piled up on top of each other and just a big mess of chairs like in a room and you can't even sit in them. And each chair was a dead cat. Yeah. <laughs> each chair was a crushed cat underneath each chair. If, if that was the case... I made myself sad. <laughs> if, I mean, then you could, you could say, well, I think this person has like an illness and that this is not healthy. To me, there's a difference between a person who has like a house full of Eames chairs, but they're just like for you to sit in or because they like them and they're around in a decorative way. And someone who's like has a pile of them in a room. You know, mm. one is like, you're collecting them and because you, you you love them and the other one is just you just there are things to you that you just need to have but they yeah, have no used, there's no value to them as a chair yeah there was a it, i used to and i'm not going to say the name of the person but they are a friend of mine um and i used to live at their place was it was, was he was david subletting. was this david what's that was it david was this david yeah i'm only friends with people named david <laughs> and um and i was subletting and i was a bit of a slob like i didn't have enough money to be a hoarder because I just, uh, you know, but I would, uh, I would, when I w- it was when I was starting to do my own comics. Mm. So I would, uh, like, I would draw a page and then I would put it on the wall with a little bit of tape, not tape that could, like, tear off paint or anything. Mm-hmm. It would be like that, you know, it's, safe, it's tape that was safe for a wall. But yeah. I would put it up on the wall just to get an idea of it. And I'd have my art supplies kind of around. And so I'd have a lot of notebooks around as well as I'm writing down ideas and stuff like that. And it was a real kind of artsy fartsy kind of time of my life when I was also super broke. Yeah. And so it'd be the kind of time where, uh, there was, there was twice, uh, during that time where, uh, like cartoons that appeared in, uh, Cerebus's, uh, reprint, like kind of saved my ass, mm. you know, when I was just like, you know, needed the money and got 150 bucks from Dave Sim. And I was like, oh, that's this is very, very useful. Um, so anyway, <laughs> now I can eat. Stuff would be scattered all over the place. And then uh, they would come back because, you know, they were in town. And so I'd have to like take off for a period of time. And, and, and I did not clean enough. So when he <laughs> came back, he stacked everything like because there was like an OCD kind of element to their personality. Okay. So like everything of mine would then be in, in like mathematical order, like a robot put it together. <laughs> like the shoes would all be lined up by size. Oh. All of my art would be off the wall and would be like stacked and, and stacked from like biggest to smallest, like a pyramid. My books would be in like little pyramids. <laughs> they would all be like lined up mathematically. Honestly, it looked like an alien had broken in and like, you know, <laughs> And it yeah. was a close encounters type scene. Mm. So it was like we were, were two ends of the different uh, spectrum there. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and it was like yeah, just be in the middle. This would be uh, you'd be fine. You'd be fine, and everything would be uh, fine. And then yeah, but that it kind of drove me nuts. Then it was like oh, uh, and I gotta I gotta spread things out again because I can't stand the stacking of the points and the uh, and the geometrical uh, layout. Couldn't couldn't take it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, no, that's funny. Yeah, it's funny. Like I, I, I like orderliness. Yeah. I, I don't like, I don't like dirtiness, but I do not mind clutter. Like I have no issues. There's a diff- There's a difference between uh, clutter and yeah, dirtiness. Yeah. Yeah, I don't mind like books laying around, and and if the girls leave their 
their sweaters on the couch or whatever. Like that doesn't really that doesn't bother me too, this is, too much. This is my childhood trauma. Is like mm. every time you know we'd we'd have the basement and you know of course your kids. Yeah. So the basement becomes a mess. And then you know uh, my dad would freak out and 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 just be clean up and I clean it up and so you clean it all up and so you cleaned it up and you're like oh it looks nice now and mm-hmm. and then the thing was all right let's keep it this way like, we're not gonna keep it this way like if your philosophy yeah. was not let's keep it this way yeah but let's every Saturday fix it up mm-hmm. that's a different situation like, yeah. You know, once a week we do a tidy. That's a different thing instead of like, it should always look nothing on the floor, nothing on the tables. No, you're, well, having three kids was a mistake. <laughs> then that's your error. And as a child, I don't know what I can do to help you in that because I'm a sticky mess. And <laughs> that's me. And I shouldn't be yelled at for this. So there's a bit of a trauma in me sometimes when it comes to cleaning where mm. if I'm cleaning the house normally... I'll have to do it alone because it's a traumatic thing. So I'm just like, I, I just got to do it and I'll do it and I'll do it well, but just, uh, and my wife wants to help. And I'm like, Oh, you clean the other room and I'll clean this room. And I'll just do it all when you go away. And then I'll do, uh, then I'll clean it. Cause yeah. yeah. Cleaning is just traumatic. And, uh, huh. uh, but, but there was a side thing to this that this reminded me of. And if you don't mind me taking a little step sideways, no, go ahead. Step um, lively. I was uh, I was a big fan of uh, as you know the comedians of comedy movie that's yep. uh, yep. Brian Posehn, Zach Galifianakis, Marie Bamford, and Patton Oswalt, and they mm-hmm. had a TV series um, that uh, spun off of it. And there was one time where they were talking to Patton about his comic book collecting and how he likes all this nerdy stuff, and they, they were talking to Brian Posehn about it as well. And the interviewer said to him, "Oh, Zach Galifianakis has a theory." And that is whatever you're really into is uh, something that you were into the last good year of your life. That was that was the year that the trauma happened. And there's almost always a big trauma. And whatever that was that year that was the thing that you loved is what you want to go back to. And so that becomes the thing that you are obsessed with. And then Brian Posehn went, that son of a bitch, he's absolutely fucking right. <laughs> and it was that was the year that he messed up his back. He jumped off of a lifeguard chair and and landed on his uh, his butt, and then went home and took a hot bath because he thought that would be good, and then couldn't get out of the tub <laughs> and basically was paralyzed for months. Wow. And uh, that was that was uh, when he was I think like around either eleven or twelve, but that's when he was really into comics. And that's, you know, his last really good memory was those were the times where he felt safe was around comic books and nerdy things and sci-fi films and horror films. And so that always locked into that's your safe spot. And I look back on it and I kind of go, yeah, my trauma started when I was 11. And that was when I was really into comics and all these kind of things. And so that's my go back to spot because that was that was the way things were good before things got bad. And that kind of sets up sometimes in people what their nerdy obsession is. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. I don't, I can't, I can't think of anything like that for myself. So it's. No, that's okay. If you didn't, if you didn't have that, you didn't have that. Mm-hmm. It's a different situation for you. Yeah. But uh, that's just the thing with, with some people. And I brought it up to other people as well. It's just like, what was the year that you had the trauma? And they almost immediately know what the trauma is. And like, what were you into right before then? And it's like, are you still into that? And it's like, yeah. 
that's your thing. Because hmm. that's your safe thing right before it went. <laughs> yeah. Interesting. Interesting. No, I was thinking when you're talking about the your um, downstairs, like my parent, I, my mom was different, right? Like she trained us at a very young age to be like, we had to clean up the playroom. When we finished playing every night, we had to clean up all our toys and put them away. And we had a toy chest, which was the world's most dangerous toy chest. It would always fall in our hands, the door. But I always <laughs> fall down when we're trying to put stuff away. Could you get into it and suffocate? No, no, it wasn't that quite that dangerous. It was okay, because we almost suffocated a couple of times. It was one my dad built. And it was very well All made. Right. But it was, it was just very, very heavy. Like the, the door that swung up that we put, so we could put the toys away. It was a very heavy door. And it just so, and it was inevitable that at some point while we were cleaning, one of us would be like have our hand on the, on the, the edge of the, the toy chest and then we're throwing stuff into it, and then the door would fall on our hands. Uh. Yeah, it just seemed all the time. It was a regular thing. But yeah, we would, uh, like that room, when I think about that room, I'm just, it was a, some, felt like a huge room, of course, because I was little. But also it was, it was always, it was always spotless. It was weird. Like, it, yeah, it was full of kids, I mean, three boys playing in there all the time. But yeah, before we went, before we could, like, go do whatever, have dinner or whatever, we had to clean up after ourselves. How about you with the, uh, as a dad, did you have the same rules set up? No, for the girls? I did not set up those rules for the girls. I was a lot different with the girls. I didn't, I never enjoyed that as a kid. I appreciate it more now as an adult. And I can see the value of that, like to pass on to your kids, you know, good habits of cleanliness and neatness. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, you know, you want, you want, you want to be kids too. You want to have kids, you know, you want kids to be kids. And I'll spend all their time having to clean up all their stuff. So, so yeah. Was Good on you. I agree with that. So our downstairs when the girls were young was just a real mess. But it's fine. Like it was just toys and stuff. So, you know, it's, it's okay. It's just clutter. Like I, I mean, say, I it's clutter. I don't be, mind clutter. As yeah, long- I don't necessarily want this to be like uh, the question of the of the week. Uh, but uh, I would be kind of curious as to what were the rules of like, you know, cleaning stuff up at your house when you were kids? Like, did you have to clean up immediately? Was it a, you know, were you allowed to like be a kid who made a big old mess or was it like, Make sure, make sure you got a tidy because, you know, God forbid the neighbors drop over unexpectedly and see that you have a child. <laughs> that, yeah. that, that was always the, the, the premise of all the commercials, you know, when we were a kid. It was just like, when a company drops over unexpectedly, well, they shouldn't. That's company's problem. Company <laughs> shouldn't have done that. You know, you're at home. It's going to be chaos. Don't worry about it. But, you know, there's oh, the horror of like someone walking in and seeing, oh, it's a mess, the child exists and does things i'm so sorry that there's a crayon on the table oh, my lord oh, oh the shame the shame of it all the anyway, social off shame to the, off to the key party we go yeah i think my mom uh, my mom definitely felt that definitely felt that uh i think that's what she reacted to most with us growing up was not you know not even like our impact on her but our, our, how the neighbors thought of us Oh, so important. It was so important to my mom, yeah, yeah. I know. Can you, like, just think back now and just go, remember all those neighbors' names? Yeah, they're important. Really important. It's like, oh, my gosh, so important. I can remember a few of them just because they were were the parents of my friends, but, yeah. Yeah, I know a couple of them, too, yeah. The ones that weren't, like, yeah, the ones that we didn't know, we didn't, I don't remember them at all. They might as well not existed. In some cases, they didn't feel like they existed. You hardly ever saw some people. They never, like, seemed to leave their house. No, I remember, yeah, we had a lot of jerks, uh, parents who were jerks in our neighborhood. <laughs> we had the openly racist parents that were like across the street and one over from the mixed race house. That was great. Oh. Uh, but it was nice and openly snide. <laughs> it's, it's 
Weird. Uh, yeah, we had you know, next to us. It was like the kind of a mean dad and uh, and uh, mom who was scared of. Uh, like I don't think there was anything uh, with them. Like where it was bad, but like uh, the mom that was scared of everything in life. And so you know, unfortunately, my next door neighbor couldn't do anything. And eventually, this is the house that. Uh, built the pool that was almost the size of the whole backyard. And it was like, oh my gosh, this will be fantastic. And it was like two feet deep. Two feet deep because she could drown. Yeah, yeah. Or learn to swim. One of those two things. Or you could do this real neat thing, which is like have half the pool be shallow and the other half be deep. You can do that. There's That technology exists yeah. of two levels of pool. But no, we got to have the whole pool be like two feet deep. And it's like, oh my God. And like Unbelievable. Unbelievable. Ugh, bugs me to this day. <laughs> <laughs> Just yeah. Walking around in someone's pool. I, I like I visited the old neighborhood a couple of times and I'm sure the pool's since gone because no one would keep that. It's no. stupid. You know, but every time I walk by that house I have to go boo. We're so excited <laughs> by it being like next door to a pool house. It's like, oh a house with a pool. What could be better? Uh, two feet. I um the, uh, I'm sure I mentioned this, but a lady in my church choir, her friend bought our house from mom and dad when we sold, when they moved to, to Cloverdale. And I met her and was talking to her and she was telling me, well, that when she sold the house, the pool was still there. And she was saying that the people who since bought it from her, the pool is still, our pool is still uh, in existence. So that's pretty good. That's a pretty, that pool was built in 1980. So that's a long, long serving pool. I'm sure the liner has been replaced more than once, but... Uh, the pool itself is still there. That's that's which speaks to my dad's my dad's um his uh building his building skills, I guess you could say, yeah. Because he's he did a lot of that. He did a lot of the work on that on that pool just to try to try to uh, cut down some of the co- cost of it, you know. So that we you know we paid to have them come in and do put the backhoe and then put up the sides and and put in the 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 stuff called perlite that they would put on the bottom. That's what like kind of like a concrete that they would sp- spread on the okay. bottom. But we did, we poured the, the water, we poured like the deck, the pool deck, the cement pool deck. Um, my dad built the shed. He put in all, we, we had to dig all the, the lines, all the gas lines from the street, all the way up to the back of the, the house. We dug all those up along the side of the house. Um, so yeah, it was quite a, quite a bit of labor and, uh, but worth it. Yeah. And ours was deeper than two feet. Very nice. Yeah. When I, whenever I think about like, you know, you're talking about like, uh, or see how, how well adjusted you are in many ways. I go like, yeah, yeah, the pool. That makes sense. <laughs> yeah, I'd have I'd have my act together better if I had a pool. I had, I've had a pool for six months. Six months we had a pool, and I think that's why I'm okay. Mm. I can still remember it, and so that was enough. And I went like, you know what? There's a pool world out there, <clears throat> and uh, I might get back to it one day. Well, I'll tell you, I have been on both sides of of this fence. Yeah, I've looked at, you've looked at love from both sides. I've looked at pools from both sides now. I've Salt water, full... fresh and still somehow. <laughs> yes. I I have to say that in my my opinion is that uh, a pool, having a friend with a pool is better than having your own pool. Oh. Like a, friend, a good friend that you can use, like, you know, a lot. Okay. Because you're not having to, like, clean that pool. Yeah. Do the skimming and all that kind of stuff I like was that. A, I was a big skimmer and I was a big... I had to do the chemical thing and get that and yeah, the yeah. vials and do the thing yeah, yeah. and make sure. Yeah. I had to vacuum my pool. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. That was my that was my that was my chore on the weekends was to vacuum yeah. vacuum the pool. I remember that and we had to shoot the ducks away too. That was back in the uh, <laughs> we didn't, we didn't. Get out of here, you come on. Ah nuts. 
We didn't my have dog, uh, we didn't have ducks. My dog would fall in all the time too. Like, it's like, come on, you know how this works. <laughs> come on, get out of there. <laughs> yeah, we didn't have that problem. I think my dad would have lost it. He's he's not uh, not a pet person, and he's not a. I don't think he'd be very fond of the idea of pet hair in the pool. <sighs> but yeah, but I mean, you know what's nice with the pool is that my parents also built it for themselves. Yeah, it wasn't just for us. Like they used it a lot too. Like my dad liked to come home from work and then swim in the pool after work. Sure, it's great. You know, which I think is great. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, at the times that I'm the most okay, I'm uh, swimming. <laughs> I got to find a way of getting back to it. Yeah, like the uh, the indoor pools are now open now, but I don't trust people yet. <laughs> I, it's like I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. The numbers, again, the numbers were going up for a while there. And it was like, eh, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. trying to figure stuff out for, let's see. One of our, one of our, uh, one of our guys is off because he had to get a COVID test. Mm-hmm. I think he's on his third day off waiting for the results, which, so I think it's just because we've had so many people uh, test positive the last little while that the, the, I guess the testing facilities are overrun by all the, all the additional people, you know, out now in, when in you the bubbles. Say we, you mean BC or BC? Yeah, your B- work? BC. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. At our work, we've had one other guy uh, stayed away and had a coronavirus corona test, but he was fine. He was clear. Okay. And so I'm hoping that our other is clear too. But I'm, I think he's just more impatient because I, I know he'd like to be working, and uh, really sucked for us because, like, <laughs> yesterday we had two. We they were late bringing the container for us to put the doors on that I was the one I was loading. So it came yesterday, but at the very mm-hmm. same time we got a we got a trailer from Edmonton with a bunch of doors that needed to be taken off and put into stock in our in our warehouse. So we had two guys on me and another guy working on, on loading the container, and then we had two other guys emptying the trailer, and that left one other person working, uh, and he was in the glazing department, uh, cutting cutting holes in doors and putting glass in, and so. Yeah, we're just like we're, like we're so down on 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 manpower right now. We have two people off on on, uh, on with with injuries. Both of them not work related, but they're okay. they're away. One guy's been off for like, like about a year now, almost I would say. Oh wow! Yeah. So does he still technically work there? That's what I wonder. But apparently, what you can't you can't lose your job because you're because you're injured. So you even though even if you injured yourself outside of the workplace. Yeah. Yeah. Really. Yeah. So he is on our rolls but he's not getting paid of course and he's he's you know he's used up any i imagine he's used up any insurance that he would have had i don't know what he's on right now like in terms of if he's on disability or whatever he got a concussion so i'm not too certain like oh, the whole sorry. extent I'm yeah yeah well, who knows and then uh yeah so we're down two guys and so then we had a we had our third guy was off with, with possible sickness so so yeah it's been a real help okay to be honest i kind of like it because i like to be busy at work like I would rather be working than sweeping, which I know sure, it's, sure. Yeah, I know yeah, it's yeah. work, but it's boring work. So yeah, you don't want to be leaning. You want to be cleaning. <laughs> I don't. I don't even want to be cleaning. I want to be doing my job. So yeah, but you said sweeping. So you know, <laughs> so on, on on the time to lean, time to clean. <laughs> you know, you're on the time to clean type type of thing. I mean, so I don't. I don't mind sweeping when I come in the morning. I I get our big Zamboni broom and I and I. I just push it around on the floor and, you know, just clean up all those stray foam and bits and pieces and stuff like that that's on the floor and, and throw it out. But but I I don't want to, like, just be doing like that for for nine hours, you know? Did you, did you ever get uh, told that at work? The uh, You got time to lean, you got time to clean? No, I've never have. I got, I got told it once. Okay. I got told it once, and it was at 
24 video. Mm. And it was so weird because it was such a hack thing to say <laughs> that it was like, it was hard not to laugh. <laughs> and like afterwards I was, uh, I was, you know, I just kept making up different ones to the other employees because I'm a jerk. And I was like, <laughs> yeah, you got time to scold. You got time to get old. <laughs> yeah. Woo. <laughs> That'll learn them. Well, anyway, that they say, take out your earring. That's not the kind of impression we want to have here at 24 Video. Now sell that nice man some pornography. I will. Sorry it, about the earring. Are you are you purposefully shortening the name, or is that the actual name of it? It was called 24. Well, it was called 24 Video. It was originally called 24 Hour Video. That's what I thought. And, and then they stopped being open 24 hours. So they moved oh. our from their sign. Uh. And so all these people would comment like, you know, uh, 10 or 11 at night whenever it's closing and like, go, hey, hey, what's going on? It's like, we're closed. You're open 24 hours. Uh, we're 24 video now. What? <laughs> we're, open, we're 24 video. Yeah, you're open 24 hours. No, we're not. We're just, that's the name. What? <laughs> open the door. No, I want pornography. I know you do. You're wearing an earring. That doesn't make a nice impression when I'm buying my pornography. <laughs> <laughs> This is a really critical guy. Would get out of here, Mr. Critic. Yeah. Also, I enjoy your your work on the news. Hey, don't 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 out me that way. <laughs> I know it's been many years, though, sir. I know, but you still shouldn't mention it. We had a thing of privacy. I'm not a doctor. <laughs> there was anyway. a yeah. You as a as a video store clerk, you cannot be made to testify in court against someone. No, that's true. You know, so. Yeah, and I'd have I'd have people call up and like, have you got the new Brat movie in? Like what? What are you doing? Why didn't you just come in and look and see? The new, I don't want to say. Did you say the new like, Brat movie? Yeah, it was a series, a pornogra- pornographic series. Oh, be like Cowboy Brat, Army Brat, and it would just be like a different. Like she'd have it's a different outfit. But what's the matter? <laughs> it's gonna be the same movie. What's the matter? You've seen the other ten. It's the same thing. There's Did, nothing new they can, can do. Can I ask a question? Did, uh, well, I don't know the plots of all of them, but go but ahead. But did she behave like a brat? Was that what, was that, or was the first one army brat, which is an actual thing? Yeah, that would make sense. And then they just like kind of carried it from there, but it had no like it lost all meaning. Like the brat part of it just had no meaning after that. Hmm. This is a this is a very good question, <laughs> and one I when I I shouldn't be able to answer. If only yeah, the this store had been open 24 hours, you could have okay, watched wait, more wait, of those Brat wait, wait videos. A, wait, wait a second, Dave. Yeah, yeah. Uh, let's see. Well, there was Army Brat. There was uh, uh, Army Brat 2. Okay. Uh, there was Blue Jean Brat. Um, these aren't, these aren't so names. Were, these aren't names. She wore blue jeans in that one. Uh, <laughs> there was. Uh, they did a superhero parody with her, and it was called Brat Girl. So there was that. Okay. Uh, but those are the only ones that you can currently Was it with the same stuff. actress in all of them? Yes, yes, it was. Yeah, she, uh, she, I believe, I believe so. Uh, I'm, wor- I'm worried now that I'm going to be opening this up and uh, and sounds are going to come out. Uh, <laughs> no, that's something. I just want, I just want, uh, I want text. I just want text here. That's uh, <laughs> no, okay. Uh, all right, I did not get text. <laughs> okay, I'm just, Oh, there we go. Yes. Okay. Uh, I think they got a, a classic. Uh, yeah. Okay. I think I think I might be able to give you the information here. Uh, let's see. Uh, nope, I can't because I'd have to go. Oh Jesus! I gotta shut this all down. I gotta shut this all down. 
<laughs> okay, forget wow. it. What if the neighbors were to show up, Dave? What yeah, if they what, were to walk in? What would they say? What I'd would they say? I'd have to offer craft slices. I once, uh, this is a while ago, I watched this porn movie called, I think it was called like 8 to 4. Oh, okay, I get what it's parody. Yeah, that was a parody of that. It's so, a gambling thing. It's 8 to 4 odds that you're going to get lucky. <laughs> that's right. Why not to say, why not to say one, 1 to 2? Um, so it was... Uh, no, sorry, I shouldn't say it, but would it be not a one to two? It'd be two to one. Anyway, so uh, what was kind of funny about it, though, is it had this song. Oh, you're right. You did the math correctly. That was good fractions. Well yeah, done. sorry. Uh, so then, so, so then, um, but, you know, of course, it was a 70s or early 80s era porn. So, you know, uh, but what, what it was so charming about it was it had this theme song to it that was written like it was nine to five. It had okay. its, it had its own theme song for it for eight to four, like okay. working eight to four stuff. And it wasn't like a, it wasn't like a ripoff of nine to five. Like it wasn't. It was just its own song. And in some ways, I preferred it to nine to five. <laughs> and I just it was such a charming little song for what was you know just a dirty movie, you know. Uh, okay, well, had, uh, nine to five. And I don't want to I don't want to put down those people's yeah. lives because those those were their jobs and sure, sure, sure. it's it sounds like many of them enjoyed it it was it was fun you know it was a different time and they had a lot of fun doing those things well now i've written the song in my head because it's like the the original song is uh stumble out of bed uh, uh, tumble out of bed then you stumble to the kitchen yeah so it'd have to be the, the opposite i don't know it's tumble out yeah, tumble to the kitchen Tum- tumble into bed tumble stop and, and do something that Rhymes with bed, which we understand. But no, but the the lyrics didn't. It, but the movie's not a. It's the story isn't a porn story, right? Oh, it isn't. It's a porn movie. Yes. But the story is unrelated to pornography to the porn, right? It's like it's people like working in an office and like yes. an office, you know, hijinks or whatever. And in between okay. that, people are fucking. But they're not. They're not fucking because that's their job. They're just fucking because they're people who like to fuck who work at this company. Right. Now, is it the same situation as a nine to five where the boss is mistreating them and they've got to get revenge oh, on the boss? Well, now you're asking, now you're asking for coherence. So this is not, this is not what they're going for. Well, but, I mean, honestly, the plot of nine to five yeah. works very well as an adult plot. Like <laughs> the boss, what's the boss want? The boss wants sex with the woman who is voluptuous. Yeah. The other women are well, it's a bit of a nerd and there's another woman who's just, you know, the every woman. Yeah. And like they yeah. all have to team up to teach the boss a, le- a lesson to the point where they put him in bondage outfit and they uh, tie him up and they do all this stuff. And it's just like, look, you don't have to go like more than a meter in any direction to turn that into an adult movie. Boom, done. <laughs> it's easy peasy. Like yeah, just yeah. keep the plot and you're in, in your, you're fine. You're absolutely fine. Go, go to town. <laughs> yeah. No, I, I'm sure you're, I'm sure you're right. I, I, um, do you know the movie nine to five? Have, have you seen it? You know what? I've only seen it. I saw it at a drive-in in Hazleton, BC. Okay. That would be 1982, sir. And was I surprised to go to a drive-in theater and find they were playing The Four Seasons starring Ellen Alda and 9 to 5 featuring Jane Fonda, Lily Tomlin, and Dolly Parton? Okay. Why? Yes, I was. Yes, I was surprised because I had assumed up to that point the drive-in movie theaters were for teenagers to go to to have some teenage fun. Not for a bunch of dried up old people watching the Four Seasons and whatever else we watched there. Oh, wait, nine to five. Okay, I've looked up the plot. Here's the thing. Okay. First of all, it was shot in Portugal, um, but it's got your standards from it's from 1981, so it's got everyone who's in a 1981 movie. Yeah, yeah. Um, the difference between nine to five and eight to four. The main difference, okay. aside from uh, 
uh, uh, sex is uh, <laughs> it's six ladies that are working for the company, not three. You're talking about and you're talking about eight to four. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Huh. It was made in Portugal. It is. Yeah. So uh, I'm looking at the IMDb page for it because that one I can look at without anything exploding and my computer melting. Yeah. Huh. Directed by Ken Gibb <laughs> under the name Louis Lewis. Good old Ken Gibb. Good old Ken Gibb. He knows what he's doing. Anyway, yeah. So, <laughs> so there you are. Okay. That was back when they still gave a damn and would write a theme song. So that yeah, that's what what surprised me. You know, like I mean, you know, I, you know, I had my I had my own motives for watching this movie. Mm-hmm. I'm not gonna go into them, but motives and and I yeah, you just I was just kind of surprised that someone you know took the top. But I mean, it was it. Let, let's just say that at that time, the porn in- industry had like a patina of of not respectability, but a patina of like seriousness to it you know it wasn't just like a it wasn't just like a sausage factory they you know some of them thought that they were actually were like doing something that had some value except that movie sausage factory the movie sausage factory was a sausage factory you are correct which was a sequel to the movie patina um i'm I'm just making myself laugh right now it's okay carry on well sorry sausage factory was a a sequel to what a sequel to Patina. You used the word Patina. Oh, I used bit. Patina. <laughs> and that sounded like a very dirty word as well. The yes, well, we all know the Patina where that is. So yeah, so I, you know, I can see that like some of those movies would have had like would have had like their own music written for them. They just didn't use like library music and just kind of slap it on. They actually had like you know hired musicians, not like super famous musicians. Just you know some local hacks who maybe played at like the Holiday Inn in town. And said, "Hey, would you mind? Would you guys mind laying down some some cool tunes for our, our movie we're making?" They're like, "Sure. Should we watch the movie while we're doing?" It? They're like, "If you want, but you don't need to. We could. You can just make some, do some music. We'll just add it, put it on after." And they're like, "Sure. So you want like maybe just some like light jazz?" They're like, "Yeah, perfect. That's great. That's great." So these guys like you know this kind of chug out forty minutes of you know kind of holiday in level lounge jazzy music you know with a nice bit of fender roads happening to it you know it's age of jazz fusion so you got some fender roads in there and then they take that little bit of like jazz and and then they just plop it over people fucking <laughs> and so then you're if you're in another room and someone's watching a yeah. porn and you're just hearing the music playing you're like oh what are, what are they watching are they watching some they watching like an old movie or do they find like a some kind of jazz show on TV or whatever. Yeah, but then you know, and then you start then, hearing like the the, the moon. Performers are going. We can't do this in five, four times. <laughs> seven, this eight. How am, supposed, how am I supposed to screw in seven, eight? Wait a second. I can't do this. So you think that like in movies they they play this they play this soundtrack while people are acting? That's called professionalism, Dave. Must be really. It's even it's even harder now where they have to do it. Over like a Hans Zimmer track, it must be and just be like going at it and just like, <laughs> like oh, this is just. Not, it's yeah. a I was just gonna say it. It must be really awkward, Hans. like at a, on like a <laughs> a Christopher Nolan movie where you're like acting, and then they have like an ocean liner park next door, so they can just go yeah. during parts of the film, you know. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. I have a, a slightly cleaner uh, discussion to shift to before we <laughs> move on to other If you uh, did, you say sh- did you say shit too? Sorry. Uh, shift. Oh, I'm, shift. I apologize. Yeah, I'm, apologize. I'm feeling slightly uh, uh, like a hoarder. I feel like kind of stickiness <laughs> right now. I just feel like if. Well, you know what? It's only a sin if you're embarrassed about it. Oh, that's nice. It's good. It's a good tip. <laughs> um, so if you want to really enjoy it, maybe 
sure you're a little ashamed. I don't think that makes it better. But anyway, go on. And we have, we were raised in different churches. That is um, true. That is true. That is very, very, very true. No, it's just something I was, uh, you know, we've had uh, various Flintstones discussions. Flintstones? Uh, on, the, on, the, on the show, yeah, yeah. Yeah, okay. Uh, but today it kind of was hitting me. I was just writing a little something about Star Wars and Star Trek and uh, and talking about, how, you know, how they have both have prequels. And I'm like, but yeah, this, the Star Wars prequels are, are worse because at least the Star Trek prequels, they still haven't happened yet. So they're not really prequels because they take place in the future. And I was like, ah, there's a little something there. And then all of a sudden it just hit me. It's like, oh shit, Star Wars is Flintstones. Star Trek is Jetsons. We've already Star- we've already established that the Jetsons yeah. and Flintstones are happening simultaneously. Okay, well that's your business. We're doing a different <laughs> thing right now. But Star Wars takes right. place in the past. Uh, basically, you look at like mm-hmm. the house that Luke Skywalker grew up in. Yeah, that's the Flintstones house. That's not this. That is so close to the Flintstones house. It's ridiculous. And the Flintstones and Star Wars yeah. are all about sentient slaves. Did you say that the house that they live in yeah. is like the Flintstones house? It is. It's made of stone. <laughs> it's basically the Flintstones house. They're, they're drinking right. this weird big giant cups of blue milk. Okay. You can see you can see like Fred Flintstone totally. drinking a big cup of blue milk. So so Flintstones. Okay, go on. Yeah, it's so, so Flintstones. Yep. Um and and the the Flintstones yes. like all have these sentient animals that are around going, eh, it's a living, but they're their <laughs> slaves. And Star Wars has all these sentient robots yeah. and yeah. also there are animals that also do things for people. Sure. But they're all down with slavery and that's all fine. Yeah. Star Trek and you know is uh, everything's clean, everything's crisp. They're very wearing very similar outfits mm-hmm. to Star Star Trek outfits. Yeah. They're all up in the sky yeah. and there's no slavery. Mm-hmm. There's none of that business. You yeah. know, there's no stone huts. You know, it's uh, it's all that's Jetsons. Jetsons is Star Trek. It's above it all. You know, living in the sky. And uh, I was like, oh yeah, yeah, that just uh, hit me today. That like, yeah, Star Wars is Flintstones. Star Trek is Jetsons. If you're a big fan of uh, Flintstones over Jetsons, you'll be a big fan probably of Star Wars over Star Trek. That's, that's funny. My I'm a big fan of Star Wars over Star Trek. Yeah. But I much prefer the Jetsons to the Flintstones. Ah, what do you like the best about the Jetsons? I think it's funnier. And I like the family. Name. Here's my challenge to you, then, hmm? sir. Yep. Name one Jetson story plot. Go. One episode of the Jetsons. Okay. Okay. It's been a while since I watched it, but there's one. No, you can't. Can't remember. No, no. There's one where uh, uh-huh. where the daughter, uh-huh. uh, Judy, Judy becomes enamored with this guy who's like a rock uh, and roll singer. Yeah. The one damn song one, yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's a good one. Yeah, that's the two fine. ones people remember are uh, the one where, yeah, she falls in love with the rock star and the one where Rosie uh, shows up for the first time. Those are the two episodes mm. people remember. But you remember like a dozen Flintstones episodes. I don't because like, I, I never watched it really. I mean, I did watch uh, it, but I didn't okay. like it. I didn't like it very much. That's uh, too bad. So I don't, I don't remember any. I don't even, I don't think I even, I know, I know of the Great Gazoo. Okay. I don't think I saw an episode with the Great Gazoo in it because I did not watch enough episodes to see it. I didn't never liked it. I remember as a kid going to a birthday party with a, a kid invited me to, and uh, I must have been grade three or four. And at the party, we started watching the Flintstones, and I was just like, "Oh, it's so terrible." <laughs> Disagree. Disagree. I, I'm a, a very judgmental grade four kid. Yeah, Flintstones to me treated you like you were an adult. 
it would be like, you know, uh, they're worried about having affairs. Uh, Fred's going to kill himself because he lost his job, which is pretty dark. Uh, but like, it was all adult stuff. You know, you never felt like they were, they were talking down to you. It was like just a weird sitcom that happened to, you know, be cavemen. Whereas Jetsons was more of a Saturday morning cartoon show that was clearly for kids, though, you know, they, they still do sexist garbage sometimes. That's <laughs> not. But okay. uh, you're right. The one where Judy falls in love with the uh, with the with the singer, yeah, it had a good song to it. You're right. Well done. <laughs> you asked me to name. Luckily, you didn't ask me to name two. <laughs> yeah, no one does. No one can name two. I, it, you know, in my defense, it's been a long time since I watched. I watched the uh, Jetsons movie. I got no clue. <laughs> I got no clue what happens to the Jetsons movie. I know Orbity's in it, and it's like this little guy with spring legs. Who's Orbity? Oh, is he kind of like a great gazoo? He is the gazoo of the Jetsons. Mm. He's he's the cute character that comes in later. Though Gazoo is is really like a bitchy uh, character who's just like, "Hey, you dum dums, you bunch of ooh, primitives," ooh. and it's like, <laughs> I prefer him to Orbity. Orbity, boing. You know, that kind of nonsense. <laughs> I, th- I also will uh, fight to the death that uh, the Jetsons theme is better than the Flintstones theme. Yeah, yeah, of course it is. Of course it is. Yeah. <laughs> You're right. No no two ways about that. But okay. all the Hanna-Barbera okay. theme songs are great. There isn't there isn't a dud in there. When you're talking the classics, you know, when you get to Grape Ape, yeah, okay, forget it. <laughs> but, you know, they really put the... If they put half the work they did into the theme songs, into the shows... They'd all still be like cooking. I don't. Be fine. I don't frankly remember any of the theme songs. Like, are you saying like Augie Doggy had his own theme song? I'm saying like Johnny Quest had an amazing theme song. That was a good theme song. You're right. Yeah. You're right. Yeah. No, that was good. Yeah. Okay. I'm just looking up like a, uh, you know Scooby Dooby Doo. Where are you? That's a great. Theme That's song. a great theme song. You're right. Yeah. They're all right. Well, ask and answer. I, I no, I thought you meant. Know. I thought you were talking about like Augie Doggy or Snagglepuss and stuff like that. I, would... I don't think Augie Doggy had his own show. Well, no, but they had like their own cartoons, right? Like, yeah, but they didn't have a theme song because they didn't have their own show. Like, I'm talking, t- yeah, actually yeah. had a, yeah, you got a show. That's where I was confused. Okay, well then let's stop fighting. That's <laughs> my confusion. You. And you were kind enough to further elucidate, and then you cleared all of my difficulties. So thank yeah. you. And I think Yogi Bear had a good one too. Smarter than the average man. Yogi mm. Bear is always in the Rangers. Yeah, that's a solid song. Everything's fine there. It all checks out. It all checks out. Um, hmm. Dave, would you mind if I read some letters? Would I? I don't know. That's a, you got to tell me. No, go ahead. All right. Uh, so our questions last week uh, were, uh, did you listen to Pages and Panels? That was question one. Um, <laughs> also, have you ever been in an awkward or potentially dangerous situation on public transit? What did you do? Uh, what, uh, what did you uh, think could be done? And sub-question, uh, tell us about a book that opened up a new world of reading to you. So uh, start off with our friend Nina, who is the artist on Sparks. Because um, I talked about a bus incident I, I had, and so she's writing about that. Um, regarding the bus incident, the driver was definitely the authority at the time. As the only employee of the company providing the service, they're literally at the wheel. I'm not sure if they're allowed to kick a rider off the bus. Uh, but they could certainly tell a disruptive rider to knock it off. It's not against the law to go on a rant on a bus, but it's against basic etiquette. And I've seen bus drivers enforce that often, like saying, I'm not moving until everyone moves to the back, or don't smoke in here. Uh, the concept of free speech is often misused, as it was in this case. It uh, means the government uh, can't censor you. 
Sorry, I'm losing my thing. There we are. It means the government can't censor you. Businesses uh, can still shut you up if you're actively making people uncomfortable. And by siding with the ranter, the driver essentially went, the comfort of this harasser is more important than the comfort of the people being harassed, which sucks, uh, especially since the people being harassed in this case were a marginalized group, a group that I belong to. When you're in a, any position of power, whether you're a bus driver at the wheel or someone in a more privileged group, as a decent human being, you should help uh, make marginalized groups feel more comfortable. How far you go with that depends on the case. But in this specific case, globally, there's been a significant increase in verbal and physical attacks against Asians, especially Asian women, since the start of the pandemic, even in Vancouver. So it's nerve wracking uh, being out in public anywhere. If I was on that bus, I would have been afraid to say or do anything in case it would escalate things to possible violence. It hurts to think someone who has the most power on the bus to stop this would do nothing and not only do nothing, but tell others to leave if they don't like it. It makes me think that if I were attacked, if I were attacked in public, no one would protect me. And that's why I haven't taken public transit since March and I don't know when I'll ever feel comfortable doing so again. Disclaimer, please don't drag me over to the definition of free speech. I know it's more complicated than that. I'm just describing it in the most broadest, simplest terms discussion over what or isn't free speech isn't something I need to get into. It's not the point of my message. Yeah, Dave, so don't drag her on that. <laughs> I don't even know what that means. Anyway, here comes Dave to drag her on that. Oh, I don't think I dragged her. All right. Uh, it feels weird uh, reading your letter because, you know, I'm not you, but this is me as Dave. Okay. Ahem. 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 Hello. Oh, I'm done now. Uh, <laughs> you can read it with your own voice. I will read it with my own voice. I really appreciate your thoughts on this, Nina. It's true that in these stressful times, people have been giving themselves license to behave terribly and verbally and physical assaults on Asian women, usually young, have been the most terrible. I don't blame you for feeling uncomfortable. When I was editing the show, I felt like I was a little mild in my condemnation of the bus driver. I must admit, I was so baffled and fascinated by his strange response that I did not side against him strongly enough. Let's just put the record straight. He was an asshole. I also forgot uh, that we now have transit police, which were introduced around the time I stopped regularly using public transit. I think uh, I was thinking the bus driver would have to call the actual police, but no, transit police would have done the job just fine. Don't forget, Nina, if you ever need a ride anywhere, you have some friends who would be happy to help. Now let's get onto your thoughts on freedom of speech. <laughs> Nina re replies, I admit, I, I thought you were being a little soft on the driver, so thank you for the clarification. It is pretty baffling, and I agree that maybe he was sick of the pandemic to the point of having bigoted thoughts, if he didn't have them to begin with. I think if you're driving a public mode of transportation, it's your duty to make sure people reach their destination safely and undisturbed, and if someone is making other riders unsafe, you need to give them the boot. <laughs> there is a way to discreetly text transit police. This is very true. I was told this by transit people later on. Uh, but I don't think everyone knows that's an option or they're skeptical of how effective that system is. I know I would be. Since I've been avoiding public transit, aside from getting rides from friends to the orthodontist and dentist, my life since March has been limited to however far I'm willing to walk. I'm glad I live in an area with so many nice places to walk to, but winter is gonna make things harder, and I'm hoping it doesn't snow much. I'm hoping that as well. Gonna take a little sip of water here. <laughs> Just to, just to, so I just want to say just a little bit more about, so. Okay, drag her, Dave. No, not going to drag her. I just want to, yeah, when I was editing the show, I just realized that um, I hadn't really said enough against the driver, partly because you were saying a lot against the driver. Yeah. And it, 
you know, it just feels weird just to be like an echo chamber of both of us saying the same thing. So I was, I was more kind of interested in what seemed to me like such a bizarre response to the situation. Like, you no, know, I got that. My thing mm-hmm. uh, when I when when I was doing it with you, yeah. it was a little it was a little jarring to me because it was something <laughs> that very much upset me. Yes, I was, yes. I was saying it to you, and then you laughed at it. Like laughed at his response, like that's hilarious. No, I wasn't laughing. Like it was hilarious. It was more. I know. I was like, oh, okay. I I know this isn't how I'm taking it. It's so. It was so. It was just so weirdly awkward and odd to me. Like it was just. It's a sort of baffling behavior. I am very funny in how I present things. (laughs) You are very funny person. You are very funny. You are a very funny person. So yeah, it was. uh, But it was just yes. It was um just the the it was just a very strange incident and it just seemed yes but terrible and that's why I just wanted to. uh, I wanted to come down firmly on one side. Yeah, my suspicion is that the bus driver was on board with what the guy was saying. I think he was a bigot, and so he yeah. was on board with it. And that's the that's the that's the feeling I got. Um, yeah. So there you go. And shitty behavior. Go. Shitty behavior. Shitty behavior. Uh, you know who's not a shitty person though is our friend Kanan, yeah. who uh, also writes us and says, "I feel like transit drivers." would have a direct line to their peace officers who would meet them at the next stop for safe removal. If they choose if they choose to use that direct line. That's true. Uh, of a belligerent passenger. I've seen it plenty of times on trains. I imagine buses would have a similar system. On our Sky Trains, I know we have a button that you can press that will summon people. Though, not not uh, on buses? Maybe, not on buses? There's no button. No, no because, because that's they the thing. The bar, they have that bar. This is the, the this is the outrageous part of it, right? Is that... Yeah. You know, because of the SkyTrain, uh, especially in the early days of SkyTrain, you were quite often by yourself on a, in a car on the SkyTrain. So if someone was, you know, harassing you or worse, you you were stuck in a car with this person until the next station where you could theoretically get out and then that person would stay on the SkyTrain and continue on and you would have to wait for the next one to come. But yes, there was that button there to press. But on a bus, the bus driver is there to act as that button to step in in the instances like this where they should be, you know, so it's just so weird. But anyway, shitty. I agree with the shittiness. <laughs> um, however, Ken continues, uh, I wouldn't be game enough to do this myself. I see it as more of something that would happen on TV or in a movie. But if the bus driver says he supports free speech, uh, so uh, so have at it. We'll immediately turn around and start yelling terrible things about bus drivers. You know who make up 90% of registered sex offenders list, right? That's right. Bus drivers. You know who single-handedly keeps porn sites in business, right? That's right. Bus drivers. You know who sleeps on pillows stuffed with the shavings of their own. Anyway, you get my point. Yeah, and that's, Sing- uh, single-handedly. Yeah, that's... Oh, well, that's what you do when you are on the porn sites. It does... You are single-handed. <laughs> that's a good point. Did you mean that joke, Kaden? Did you mean that joke? Because if you did... That's a subconscious joke. I'm still gonna credit you. I'm gonna put a credit in your account yeah. for that subconscious joke. Well yeah, done. Very good. And also Kanan's a very funny person in the cartoon and so he's probably he's probably you know he knew it. That up. He knew it. Yeah. Uh Louise writes, uh, our friend Louise, who oh such delicious food. Uh thanks for offering to <laughs> a wellness check. We were checking on her because she didn't write us last week. But mm-hmm. I'm okay. I was just recovering from uh virtual jet lag after attending uh, two days of six-hour Skype meetings that started at 8 a.m. Uh, so as to be convenient for the Eastern Time Zone attendees. Oh, Lordy, I'm doing that next week. <laughs> oh, boy. Anyway, to catch up, 
Uh, Axis Theater produced the number 14, the play that I was talking about, based on, you know, the bus that's near me. Okay. Ian, Ian was right to let Translick know that the driver sounded like he was condoning hate speech and contributing to a toxic environment on his bus. Uh, also, I ordered a copy of Kathleen's graphic novel, Joe, from my neighborhood bookstore, and I am looking forward to reading it. Okay, good. Good Very updates good. on all of these things. Uh, now, now on to Big Sound, which we talked about. Hmm. Uh, I only worked on Big Sound for one month, but it was the last month. So I got to go to closing parties and be in a photo shoot for Real West magazine and look like I'd been there all along. <laughs> and yes, I believe Ian is right that Stuart Copeland episode was originally written with Melissa Etheridge in mind. It involved Greg Evigan, better known as BJ from BJ and the Bear, manager character, and also he was the cool dad in my two dads, um, trying to woo her as a client by promising uh, to mass market her family's jam recipe. I think there was a jam night joke. Uh, of all the celebrity appearances, I like Jan Arden's best. In response to a record label wanting her to look sexier, she puts on a Britney Spears schoolgirl uniform and performs an oops, I did it again type music video. Here was, yeah, I remember Sounds that. Sounds fun. She's a it fun lady. Have, Jan Arden's a fun lady. She's a very fun lady. I really like her. Uh, I like her new show. Um, here's the thing. I remember that and watching that in the show, and that made zero sense to me. Like, I understand the gag is Jan Arden's going to dress up like Britney Spears. That sounds fun. I'm all, I'm all for it. Yeah. But she basically does the same video, like almost exactly the same video. And I'm like, how is this in reality? But it's not a parody video. She just does the same video. So, like, just my logic circuits were like, well, this would make sense in reality. She couldn't do the same video. You can't just do the same video unless it's a parody of the same video. Yeah. But it was it was basically the same video. And that just made no sense. But I thought it was it looked funny, but it was like, logically, I have issues and I wish I could fix it, but I'm not on the show anymore. I was busy writing uh like one last episode, uh co writing one last episode with my friend Roger, and we're doing our Rashomon episode. Um a book that opened up a new world of reading for me was a young adult novel set in ancient Egypt called Mara daughter of the Nile. Uh, after that, I became an avid reader of historical novels set in ancient Egypt, Greece, Rome, Judea, uh, Celtic, Britain, and medieval Europe. Uh, Ian had me at, if I, I, it sounds like I'm, I've got uh, attention deficit disorder because it keeps shifting, but <laughs> covering everything very, very well. Yeah. Uh, Ian had me at ooey gooey. So I will take him up on this ooey gooey butter cake challenge, but none of this box of yellow cake nonsense. I'll find a scratch <laughs> recipe and four cups of icing sugar. You ordered the insulin, and she did, and it was mm, mm, good. Um, correction, uh-oh, uh, I think it was Katie Lang that the Big Sound Jam script was written for. I think that might be right, but Melissa Etheridge was at some point involved. Um, Melissa's episode, here we go, was about bees and ultraviolet light album covers. MC Hammer's story was about him having a stalker who was played by Richard Side, who was another writer on the show, and who is, I'm just going to add this bit, was the is the creator of the uh, CBC series The Debaters, mm -hmm. a very successful CBC series that's been a radio show, was a TV show, and I was on six times. And uh, I wrote a funny joke to, uh, back there to her saying, "I hope Hammer didn't hurt him, because because MC Hammer had that album called Please Hammer Don't Hurt Him." There you go. <laughs> we, all, we all enjoy a nice MC Hammer joke. We all we all we all uh, lulled. Yep. Uh, Todd writes. Uh, a book that opened up a whole new world of reading for me. 
I think I've mentioned before that I read a lot of Stephen Jay Gould as a kid and got into hmm. uh, a lot of things uh, through that, thanks to the diverse references he made in his essays. But even before that, I started reading Gould thanks to an interest in natural history that was kicked off by Douglas Adams' The Salmon of Doubt, a posthumous collection of mostly nonfiction essays. The book includes Adams' glowing review of The Blind Watchmaker by Richard Dawkins. This was shortly before Dawkins became more well-known for various other things, but that's a topic for another day. <laughs> Adams' review led me to read The Blind Watchmaker, which led me to read any book on evolution I could get my hands on, which led me to Gould, which in turn led me to many other things. Speaking of reading, I did recently finish Trollope's Can You Forgive Her? Mm. Overall, I enjoyed it, oh, but good. not as much as Dr. Thorne. Oh. Sorry, did you want to say something about that, Dave? Uh, I guess, well, Can You Forgive Her was, was my gateway to Trollope, so it's a book I, I hold very dearly. But go, go on, talk with your criticisms. All right. Overall, I enjoyed it, but not as much as Dr. Thorne, mainly because it centered more on Victorian views of women, which can be a little off-putting. Still, I was, again, impressed by the rather modern-seeming jokes in the narration, such as Trollope <laughs> saying that he's skipping over a scene because he assumes the reader doesn't care about it. Or when a minor character reappears towards the end of the book, he says the reader has no doubt forgotten all he knew about this character. Uh, I also enjoyed <laughs> his description of the jaunting car as perhaps the most uncomfortable vehicle yet invented. So it was well worth reading. And again, uh, Dave, thanks, thanks, Dave, for the recommendation. Okay, so I just want to say a couple of things about about. All right, this Kenny will be our Trollope for the this week. will be this will be my, and it's not necessarily a defense, but it is true that it 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 basically it's it's um it was based on a play that that Trollope wrote called The Noble Jilt, and in those days to be a jilt was to be a terrible thing, and jilting someone of course is breaking your engagement with someone, and that one in those days like a woman to break an engagement with a man was oh, considered to be that. very very terrible thing, okay. and and so in Can You Forgive Her the story is uh, uh, the main character's name is this girl named Alice Vavasor, who is kind of, uh, she's engaged to a, to a man. Uh, he's uh, from, Cam from uh, Cambridgeshire. And so his character is reflected in the boring, the boring landscape of, of Cambridgeshire, which Charles goes at great pains to describe how flat and dull it is there. Although I've been there myself and I think it's quite beautiful. So I don't know what he's talking about. But anyway, the, um, but in the story, Alice is, goes on a trip with her cousin and her cousin's sister and her cousin's sister her the the he uh, she kind of uh, works on Alice and convinces her that her fiance is no good for her and that she really should go with George her 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 brother and mm -hmm. so Alice kind of falls under the spell and starts to d double guess what she's going to you know this idea of getting married and so she 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 jilts her fiance and so then the book is about the fallout from that. And it is true that it does concern like Victorian views of women and how women were seen at that time. But, but what's interesting to me is that Trollope isn't necessarily sympathetic to, to those. In fact, I think he's very sympathetic to the roles that women had and had to deal with. His mum was a very strong woman. His mum, you know, dealt with a, with a father who, if you read about him, was clearly a person who suffered from depression and maybe even bipolar. And so she kind of had to make her own way in the world. And so Trollope, you know, even though he wasn't close to his mom, he, I think he was sympathetic to, to women and, you know, women's roles and the restrictions on them in, in Victorian culture. I mean, women at that time were st still not considered to be human. They didn't, weren't, they had no legal rights because they were not men. 
you know, so they were chattel to, for them to get married. They were, they, they became the property of another person. They passed from the property of the parents, the property of their husband, you know, and so there's all kinds of terrible realities to the time. And I think that Trollope was exploring that in a sympathetic way. I don't think it's, he's not saying that, you know, isn't it great that, uh, and, but it is true that Alice does eventually go back to her original intended in the, in the book, but not to spoil things, but it does, there are some great sequences in there. I think her walk across the heath is fantastic. And, and I love, and I think there's a scene in the, in the book where she and her cousin are going to put on a dance and Trollope says something like, there is no, there is no beach too rocky nor side of a house too steep for women to not want to dance. So, uh, I, I think is a great truism. So, uh, yeah, I think that's just a fantastic book. But, but for me, it was my gateway to Trollope. I had read, um, I had read, Barchester uh, Towers before I read that one, but I read Barchester Towers by itself. I hadn't read The Warden yet, and so I kind of was reading a book without really knowing all the backstory, and it didn't really grab me the way that Can You Forgive Her did. Can You Forgive Her really like hit me deeply. So yeah, let's hear it for let's hear it for uh, Gateways. Very nice. Edward uh, Dragansky writes. I wrote the Dart, the D- Dallas area rapid transit, for about two years on my last job. I wrote it from the Dallas suburbs into downtown for work and back again in the evening. I saw the same passengers every day, and honestly, we were just boring suburbanites who were happy and not to be bumper to bumper in traffic. I think this de-stressing uh, alternative of transportation made us a content bunch, and we were never really any altercations that I can remember. Well, that's nice to hear. I do remember two strange occurrences from passengers closer to downtown, though. One gentleman uh, we would see uh, daily was always sitting on the station platform with a huge Bible that he read from quite loudly. The Bible was highlighted and had hundreds of colored, sticky, noted bookmarks protruding from it. I always wondered what it would be like uh, had he boarded the dart, but he just uh, stayed in one place and we stopped for more riders. And then one day, he got on my dart, oh, and as luck would have it, sat beside me. Mm. He was quite right from being outside all day. Mm. And uh, I did my best to turn my nose away. I half expected him to start a conversation with me about the Bible, uh, but he turned to me and asked about uh, Dallas Cowboys football instead. I politely told him I didn't follow football, so he just moved to the next passenger. Another time, a guy dressed in his hospital gown and patient ID bracelet saw me reading comics, and so leaned across the aisle and started talking comics with me. He reeked of booze, uh, which was uh, he was drinking from a huge glass Gatorade bottle, and if I recall correctly, thought he could be Green Lantern if he wanted to. Well, you know. Green Lantern, that's low expectations, frankly. Uh, <laughs> as for the bus driver uh, giving the okay for the passenger to act rudely to the rest of the dry- riders, his endorsement to do so also gives me the right to defend those who cannot. I hate bullies, so according to my right to free speech, which is equal to his, I'd give that bastard the dose of his own medicine. See how he likes it. But nothing like that ever happened on my boring, dark commute. <laughs> you guys uh, know about my early fascination with L. Frank Baum's Oz books. Those books immediately came to mind when I was a young reader, and they helped me appreciate reading at a higher level. I think uh, I had to take it further than the Oz books. I'd have to say I also took a liking to biographies as a young reader. I read all the Marx Brothers biographies I could find, which led me to others. I think I liked the framework of uh, of writing because it was me learning about their stories uh, they believed were worth telling. I must have gotten that from my dad, who also liked reading biographies. We both still read them to this day. Nice. Um, and, and then uh, we have uh, we have a letter from Chris Roberts. Ha ha! Edward, ha ha! You're not the last. Uh, here we go, Chris. Chris I, didn't, I didn't see this. Yeah, 
I really enjoyed the discussion about sparks on pages and panels or pages of panels or whatever. <laughs> I wondered about the absence of chapters in Double Dog Dare. I liked them in the first book and would have liked them in the second, but I don't think their absence spoiled my enjoyment. Editors, what do they know? <laughs> it was also great to learn how the sound effects were created. They're one of the subtle spices that made Sparks' recipe work so well. Thank you very much. Yeah, I'm still I'm still on the fence about the chapters. You know, uh, we do like another. Well, we are going to do another one, but like uh, that one already is uh, kind of done writing wise. If we do another one, may go back to chapters. We'll see. It is a pacing situation and. Uh, the momentum, I thought, works best without chapters for the last book. It was also kind of a favorite to the editor. Um, book that opened up a new world of reading. Well, I guess someone has to stick up for Hemingway around here, and it might as well be me! <laughs> My introduction to his writing uh, was a volume that collected most of his short stories and his second novel, The Sun Also Rises, which remains a favorite. Hmm. He undoubtedly declined sharply and often fell into self-parody later on, but he was a real master of simplicity in his early years and had a style that was unlike any other I'd encountered. Fair enough, Chris. Fair enough. There you go. I mean, yeah, that's, I mean, of course it's subjective, but uh, for whatever reason, even as a, even as a young lad of, of grade 11, uh, that very ornate Victorian writing style really spoke to me, you know, and I, I've carried on, I've read, I've read the greats. I've read, you know, I've read, um, Dickens, obviously, Trollope, um, Thackeray. I've not ventured too too far down from there, and I I probably should like one day try and read a couple of the the lesser ones. I've never tried like George Eliot or um, um, George Eliot. Yeah, I've not or, or um, uh, Sir Walter Scott. I've not I've not attempted those. So one day I should crack open one of those books and and give it a give it a look. But even go a little deeper than that, you know, and try and. Try it. Try them. Try them out. Maybe even like with. I'm currently reading a biography of Jane Austen. Speaking of biographies, which is a very, it's a very good biography. But it'd be kind of fun to like get make make up a reading list of books that she loved to mm. read, and then sort of read those and think about and think about her. You know. But anywho, and it wouldn't be that hard to. Well, not that it wouldn't be that hard to do, but in some cases, a lot of those books are now available through like uh, e-readers. But you can get them like on the Guggenheim pro. Is it called Guggenheim? No, that's not right. What am I talking about? Gutenberg? Uh, Gutenberg Project. Yes, thank you, thank you. Uh, the Gutenberg Project, where the people have taken the trouble to scan in these old books because they're out of copyright. So, you know, you can just have them for nothing. So, what the hell? And, yeah, that's how I read some Wilkie Collins through that through that way. And, and yeah, so maybe that's a way to do it, just to, ha- to kind of have those books in, a, in an easy way. Mary, Mary bought herself an iPad um, this past little while. She, she, got, she got a bit of money, so she decided mm-hmm. to... To invest in an iPad, and uh, it's oh boy, are those nice? I didn't realize what a what an amazing thing it is. Like oh yeah, like hers, <clears throat> like I she handed it to me, and I you know I expected it to be have like a like it has no bezel. It's just like a flat piece of glass. <laughs> it's, just all, yeah. it's all screen. It's crazy. Yeah. It's crazy. So yeah, so I was looking at it, like to you know I like the idea of web comics, but I hate to read my computer. So I I've just never like pursued. Uh, it's a little different on on the iPad. Yeah, they designed it, yeah. Yeah. So I was reading, I was reading some some stuff on hers, and I was like, "This is way better." I'm gonna, I'm not gonna get an iPad because they're way too expensive, but I'm, I'm gonna get a, a tablet, of some sort. Yeah, it's the, uh, yeah, it's 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 the way I read impulsive things or things that I know would be hard to find. Like when I when I wanted to um, 
read the, uh, oh, what is it? I'm not okay with this. It was like, all right, I'm going to go to the Comixology app and I'm going to get this. And, all, and I also usually uh, order at least one issue of Exorcisters each time. Okay. You know, just to see how it looks and scans on, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. on the iPad. And my wife, I, I, it's on my wife's uh, computer because she has the iPad Pro. She draws most of her cartoons on it. Okay. And so, uh, you know, I, it's a good one. So I check that out. And then, uh, like, yeah, it's always cool seeing how, uh, how, how it looks. Exorcisters, by the way, a uh, new issue of, uh, and final issue for now, uh, issue of Exorcisters uh, just came out this week, issue number 10. And it looks beautiful on there. Uh, the trade the in paper trade paperback comes out at the end of October, and I'll be bugging you guys about that uh, <laughs> shortly. Uh, but if you want to pre-order it from bookstores, uh, feel free. You, you're welcome to. But yeah, it is. It's a much better way of reading comics than it used to be. Yeah, reading comics on a computer used to be, ugh, and now it's yeah, all right. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I I would do it at uh, my old job because I had a computer at my at my workstation and. I would at lunchtime. I would just sit in. I would go to the comics reporter page. Good mm-hmm. old, good old Tom Spurgeon. May he rest in peace. Yeah. I would go there and I would, I would um, just kind of because he was such a great like linker to various interesting things. And I would just go to his, and then I would just kind of branch out from there and and find other other people. That's how I discovered Lucy Nisley, for instance, through 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 Tom and a lot a lot of places. A lot of people through Tom. Probably, I'm sure Kate Beaton and uh, yeah. Yeah, I can't even think of all of them, but but uh, but I could do it a little bit there because this because I was stuck, you know, at lunch and I had a, the computer was there and but I just yeah at home I just don't I don't even bother I just ugh, give me give me some paper I say very good uh, so there is another letter that was to our email mm-hmm. do you have uh, access to that my friend I do 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 you want me to read that yes please okay you usually traditionally read the emails and mm-hmm. I read the web. Mm-hmm. It's just a, it's a long letter, so everyone... Yeah, and so that's why I don't want to do it. So enjoy. Everyone. I'm backing off now and I'm putting my feet up. So this is from, from, this is from Regis. Regis is from France. How and was I pronouncing it last week? I was pronouncing it in a dumb way. I don't know. Regis or Regis or some way, and you went, that's not what his name is. What's wrong with you? <laughs> I don't know. And, and, and actually seeing it, it was like, of course that's not how you say it. But listen. Okay. Listen, sir. All right. um, the subject of this email is thoughts and questions about superheroes. Oh, dear. And he starts off, he says, hi, this is more opposed to you two rather than to the podcast themselves. But nonetheless, oh. staying in their boundaries, hope, hope it's not too all over the place. First, but first, let's clear the pronunciation of my first oh, name. Okay, here we go. David got everything right about the tractors in general. Yes. John Deere in particular and about the CNCs. Good for him. Well done, my friend, he says. But, but <laughs> on the other hand, Ian is right about my name. Theoretically, it should be David. We French do not pronounce the leading S. Like you will say Nicolas. We say Nicolas. But in my case, as I do not like doing things like the others, you would say Regis because it's Latin. It comes from the Latin Rex, King, Gua in French, and its declination, the genitive Rex, Regis. Or, I mean, I'm saying it. I'm not actually speaking this Latin the way that, say, the Ger- the Germans tell us we should pronounce Latin, but, you know. So it should be like Rex, Regus, Regum, Regibus. But we'll go along with the fact that we like to soften a G after an I, or before an I. Um, Rex, Regis, Regum, Regibus. The ones who organize and conduct the verb is regir in, en français to govern in English, but register in English. It was at one point my nickname 
during my studies because of the CPU registers or registries, I guess. So he says, you guys are quite on the page about comics. Personally, I never quite liked them. Too what? Too, <laughs> too messy, graphically speaking. <laughs> Having to wait an eternity to get the complete story, if ever. Like David, I prefer the Franco-Belgian bande dessinée. Being raised with Tintin and Gaston Lagaffe, Franquin is my preferred auteur. Uh, so I have some questions for you, and, ra- and rather some discussion themes. The, uh, the movies are also messy, or as messy as the uh, comics too. Too much action and special effects. The superheroes destroy complete cities to get the baddies. It's like the Japanese ones, like Ultraman, who literally stomps on them. Reminding me of the Matrix when Morpheus explains to Neo that some people, the majority, don't want to know the reality and are a, and um, are a part of the enemy. So if you fight the system, you have to fight them to free them. A new take on the Bible, as Neo is the Christ, the Chosen One, the message of Jesus was believe in me and God to be saved. The message of the Matrix is you are believing in the wrong side, so you are de facto just collateral damage. I just watched Spider-Man, the anime, and Hulk on TV. I saw the 80s Spider-Man. Sorry, the anime? Oh, like the, uh, so I guess that would be Into the Spider-Verse, maybe? Maybe, or is it, is it an earlier animated version? Well, it wouldn't be anime. Like, okay, it wouldn't be he anime, doesn't say, anime. He doesn't say anime, it says anim, so I just thought it maybe he might okay, have been anime. Okay, probably would be Into the Spider-Verse is what okay, he's talking okay. about. From okay, okay. And, and the Hulk on TV. I saw the 80s Spider-Man. 80s Spider-Man. Mm-hmm. Was that the one with Nicholas? Or that, that was, I thought that was 70s. Hmm. Yeah, I think it. I think it just crossed over a little bit between the two. Oh, okay. If he's talking okay. about live action, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I saw the eighty Spider Man, which really disappointed me. Going from an animated to a real life character and being really bad at it. It was not great. Yeah. I saw the two thousand one, the Sam Raimi one. I think because Evil Dead. Uh, I think because of Evil Dead, it was kind of a disappointment too. Like what you said about Peter Jackson. The only superhero serial in the sense of either DC or Marvel franchise I watched, was Jessica Jones. Because the superhero part is really anecdotal. And I'm Mm -hmm. currently watching The Boys because of the plot. What if the superheroes were bad? As Superman says, with great power comes... This is actually Spider-Man, but... As Superman says, with great power comes great responsibility. To which Proudhon would answer, power corrupts, period. So, The Boys is a Proudhonian movie. I don't know who Proudhon is. I was going to look that up, but I, I didn't have time, sorry. Okay. What strikes me is the theme of manipulation and child abuse in comics. You've got it in Stranger Things with Eleven. You've got it in Jessica Jones. As I reckon, the superhero comics have been created by New York Jews after the Second World War. In fact, Nazis, in fact, uh, Nazis, the Nazis' experiments are present in the boys' as backstory. Mm-hmm. That's not super true, but it's sort of true. Uh, Superman, Superman was created before World War II, and, and, uh, but you know, same thing, I guess. Okay. Uh, for me, the boys are a trope about celebrity and how fucked the celebrities are. The crowd, the common people are nearly invisible, just a background, but are represented by Huey. On one side, you've got the good, the good bad guys in the light, and on the other hand, the bad good guys in the shadow, with two more middle class common people characters to link both worlds. The inverse of Star Wars, where the bad side is the dark one, but the same as the Matrix, the people who know are living in the shadows of those who don't know. The prudent stance is that if you've got power, you will fight to keep it for the sake of it, no matter what. The more shell you are, the more you will fight, as seen in Captain America. I mean, Homelander, his post 9-11 name. Oh, I think you mean Superman. I think we have Soldier Boy coming up in season three. But anyway, uh, 
But what about this ch uh, children's stuff? The mother-daughter difficult relationship is present in Jessica Jones and the boys. As the global theme of women empowerment is in the center of the two series, Jessica is pre-Me Me Too. The boys are post between the two. The rape question had become public and the women fight about it too. In Jessica Jones, it's a fight to survive with difficulty. She's got a pretty messy life, difficult relationships, alcoholism, but she literally fights her demons. As Luther... Um, now, I'm not too sure. I don't, don't know. So, uh, is Luther one of the characters in the show? In in what? Jessica Jones? Yeah. Uh, uh, not that I'm not that I'm aware of. Okay. No. Are we talking about Lex Luther all of a sudden now? I don't know. He says Lex Luther. She's fighting for the greater good, but um, well, but Luther, harms the Luther persons. Thought he was fighting for the greater good. But okay, go okay. ahead. Okay, she's fighting for the greater good, but harms the persons who love her in the process. Hmm. The difference is that she tries to protect them by rejecting their love and suppressing her own feelings. Right. Luther is manipulating others and, and getting them killed. She's caring in a twisted way. He doesn't care. He prefers to validate his own suffering by, the, by other suffering. Hmm. What is at the core in Jessica Jones is only a part of a bigger picture in the boys. In, <clears throat> in the first, it's a personal fight, and she tries to avoid the publicity. In the second, it's more about a political fight under the spotlights. For the pure superhero part, in the first one, the superheroes are despised because of their weirdness and the damage they cause to society, despite the fact that they are fighting the bad. Quite like the police presently. We maybe need them, but we don't have to like them. In the second, they are the stars. People love them because they don't know or because the truth is hidden from them. One of the Pixar movies I least like is The Incredibles. Now it's my turn to say, what? <laughs> Because as a post-9-11 movie, its main theme is the superhero, a.k.a. vigilantes, and the WASP American family uh, rehabilitation. Nobody loves them because they are causing damage to society. A sleepy society which is no more aware of the dangers. And when the danger comes back, luckily they are willing to save this ungrateful society in return for what the society... For, oh, sorry, in, re in return for which society makes a U-turn and reckons their roles as saviors of the world, no matter the damage. What does it tell us about a society that it turns its children into some sort of freak show where success is participating in scripted reality shows where you are assigned to a role and the role you wish for or someone dear to you... Uh, sorry, sorry, Regis, you do get a... Your syntax is a little bit uh, hard here, so I'm just going to try and go back through this. Uh, what does it tell us about our society that it turns its children into some freak show where success is participating in scripted reality shows where you are assigned to a role um, and not, sorry, and not a role you wished for or someone dear chose it for you. What about this schizophrenic pose where private power is as bad as the public one? Are these writers more libertarian than leftists? At a time, <clears throat> I think that's been a criticism of The Incredibles that it does have like a libertarian theme to it. So I don't think that's, I don't think that's a, a bad criticism. At a time where the American president is a real reality show producer, a failure and a liar, doesn't he have a lot of aspects of a super of a superhero baddie? Is the government fighting against itself and at the same time the rich corporation guy fighting for the poor? A double contradiction. But where are the superheroes, the military, the police who are fighting and who have superpower? In a way, the only real superpowered fighting people really existing are the terrorists. They are fighting the American government the economic power of capitalism, a.k.a. the military-industrial complex, and regular people, even on their side, are collateral damages, and they are indestructible in a twisted way. They do not fear death. They are the enemy because they do not believe, but they are not they are not white or black in a black American way. Um, sorry, but they are not white nor black to... Mm, sorry, I don't quite know what you're trying to say here, Regis. 
So they can't, he says, to resume, uh, I think what he's trying to say is they're not white or black in the American way to be, be go, to go back to normal. They can only be baddies. In the series, the ones who don't fear death, the one who doesn't fear death is Homelander. And his only real enemy is himself, like the USA. What, what, all, what all this is telling us about violence, the superhero are violent people. The superheroes are violent people doing harm to innocent people to save them, like the terrorists. Finally, is there a way to avoid it? And when you use it, can you get back from it? The character of Huey is schizophrenic. Um, he uses violence, the darkest one killing a living person, then tries to uh, prevent other people from using the same violence. Um, does he represent the viewer, aka the white American people? What does it tell us about these American people? That they are... Um, what does it tell us about these American people? That they are... I don't want to use this word that he's used. That they are um, evil, which can't choose their side, or victims of all the empowered people. Um, is fighting co incoherent? Is he at the same time... That he at the same time wants to believe and fight for the truth? The other person represents the, representing the people is Starlight. She is the outsider. The common people... Um, touch, you know, she is living its dream, and but also getting burned by it. But she is more in control of her life than he is. She is its savior in a way, but she has no savior but herself. She is consciously more and more f uh, fighting her, uh, fighting her own history. He is fighting oppression by others without really knowing why. She is finding her way, and he's lost. This is making me think that the other boys are all stronger men, somewhat related to the, to the um. I guess maybe to European in general, the Scottish is the historical settler, the black had been imported, the French the old continent, the real foreigner is an Asian woman who doesn't have a voice and is accepted by the French one, representing the old continent, the in-between, and her too, as Starlight, she's fighting for existing, she's, she's fighting to exist, she's going from a little monster to a person, she's not part of the boys, she fights for herself. What do you think? Do I misinterpret things due to my poor knowledge of the comics culture? And maybe North American culture in general too? Well, I don't think you can mis misinterpret it, but I do think it's an interesting take on it that's removed from our much more emotional, nostalgic, sentimental view of superheroes and of the culture we live in. So what do you think, Ian? Uh, there's a lot to unpack there. There sure um, is. <laughs> I've only been kind of watching the second half of The Boys. So let me just go back to Incredibles for a second. There's a line <laughs> in The Incredibles that uh, I'm not really sure how to take, and it's, uh, it's, the, it's the kid, Dash. Yeah. And he's talking about how... Uh, they say everyone's special. And his thing is, if everyone's special, then no one is special. Mm -hmm. And uh, you can take it one of two ways. It's like you can't say that everyone's special because then that takes away from the actual special people. Mm -hmm. And uh, and there's no point in uh, trying to excel and uh, and do more and be more. But the other way of taking it, which is the way I take it, is Everyone is special, but they're special in their own way, and everyone has their own thing and their own contribution. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And if you do think that you're more special than the other people, you will be a very shitty protector of the <laughs> other people because you're yeah. now looking down on them and thinking you are better than the other people. Mm -hmm. And that is a trick. When he's talking about the Matrix thing, yeah, that always kind of bothers me when I see like Neo going in and shooting up you know, a room full of people. And like these are all innocent people he's shooting. So how are you supposed to be feeling in that scene where yeah. him, you know, and uh, sorry, what is uh, Catherine Moss's character's name? Uh, Trinity. Trinity. When they're going in, they're shooting up everybody. They're not shooting up Nazis. They're not shooting up uh, robots. Yeah. They're shooting up people. They're shooting security guards. Yeah. That, that will now die. Mm -hmm. They don't try to find another way around it. 
you know, they 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 embrace it, and they and yet they're still the heroes. Mm -hmm. It's a very strange. It's a very strange thing. And when you're mentioning, you know, if he's the Christ figure, well, Christ wouldn't go in and massacre a bunch of people in order to save other people. Then you're not the Christ figure. You're something else. <laughs> you're someone who is weighing lives, and you're uh, you're you're considering some more worthy than others. So, you know, if you find that you can just go and slaughter all these people in order to save the people outside, that's a that's a weird message as well. That, to me, I mean, I like The Matrix as a movie, mm -hmm. but uh, that doesn't work for me philosophically. I think the Marvel movies do work for me in that they're about specifically America. You start off with someone who, you know, is a capitalist, who is very distant from the damage that they are causing. And then uh, because they actually go over there, they, they they face what they've done and they face the impact that they have. And even before Tony Stark had superpowers, he had superpowers and his powers were killing people over there. He then realizes this and goes on kind of a revenge thing, which is mm, very American, but like, eh, not so great. But over time, it's kind of his journey and is also, to me, what America's journey is until it becomes like a thing of, uh, of sacrifice. And you look at like Captain America, who should be just straight jingoism but he he you know you know is always like in doubt is always trying to adjust to what's going on he's finding out that america isn't what he thought it was yeah. he's you know he's uh, he's trying to repair the the problems that america has and it's always like uh, uh, as again jingoistic militaristic you know uh, we're going to crush our enemies because yeah yeah ray ray ra and he's against that um and, and yeah, it feels like the Marvel movies are against fascism. They are against a lot of times the kind of things that you know uh, the kind of Trump government is uh, is is pushing forward and that kind of kind of thing. And back in the day, it was the Bush government. Um, and the the DC movies are a little different in that they seem to be pro-fascism sometimes, and uh, I think they're they miss the mark. Those aren't uh, the best for that. And it's weird to me the boys because the boys deal with this dark world of superheroes. And as we've mentioned before, superheroes in the DC universe have become so dark that it's tough to do a parody of them when they already are that. <laughs> um, but I do like what the boys is saying again about propaganda. I like what it's saying about cults. Mm -hmm. I like what it's saying, you know, uh, 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 about, you know, the media in general as well. And I think they're doing a good job, especially in this, second season uh with that it's very much a satire without being parody um um yeah i think the, so in general i think the marvel movies do it very well i think the incredibles is a very good movie but philosophically flawed i think the dc movies are quite flawed right now and i think the boys is a very good satire um the and i also think like watchmen did a really good job this time around you know uh with the uh, with uh, talking about uh the history of america as well and kind of connecting it with, uh, with uh, you know, uh, with superheroes, uh, because superheroes are very American. <laughs> and uh, if you're not saying something about America with your superheroes, you're probably doing superheroes wrong. Yeah, superheroes are very American. They're definitely a part of that uh, itself. That sort of mythological idea of, of the of the uh, the single man, the one person who can. What do you do with power? You know, but the the fact that, you know, you, you don't need, you're not going to like, it's not going to be teamwork that gets you, you need that one person, you know, it's that one 
striving, fighting person who, you know, who, who will solve, solve the problems, you know, will come in and clean up everything, and make it all right, you know. And the best, and the best, you know, that's the that's the light fantasy. But the best superhero movies are the ones where then the uh, the people around are with the, the 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 other person, and they're working together. Like you know, my favorite scenes in the Sam Raimi uh, Spider-Man movies are where the Green Goblin is, you know, next to the bridge, and all of New York starts throwing bricks at him. <laughs> like, you take on one New Yorker, you take on us all. That's right. Hey, use. Yeah, or after Spider-Man saves the train, uh, you know, he's got his mask off and they're all like, we ain't going to tell no one. Yeah. No. And it's just like, oh, that just makes me cry. That seems just like. Yeah, it's great. Oh, it's great. This, of course, you know, we're all in this together. We're all in this together. And yeah, they, they carry him out. Yeah, it's very, very sweet. I think uh, I think the Marvel films get that right. It's never, no one wins because they're the strongest. They, uh, they The villains lose because of their philosophy. And I think that's usually the best way to go. Mm. And then the stupid DC movies, ugh, Superman's an idiot. And just like, <laughs> you know, I'm going to kill Doomsday with what? This kryptonite spear. Oh, you know, Wonder Woman's here. She could do it. No, I got to do it. Why? You're the one guy this hurts. You're the one guy who shouldn't be doing this. You know, she's got all your strength. And I think, Wonder Woman, you're Greek, right? Yeah. You know how to hold a spear. Oh, yeah. I've been working with a spear all my life. So you should be the one. Mm -hmm. Anyway. Even Batman, hey, you could throw this in him. Yeah, it would kill me, but then I'm responsible for most of this, so I should do it. Yeah, that would make sense, too. Who's the one guy who shouldn't? Superman, no, you dope. Well, Superman died. Good job, <laughs> Superman. With the dumbest parents. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, I did not enjoy that at all. Because part of Superman to me is is the very pleasing idea that a super powerful alien comes to earth and doesn't want to kill us. He's actually, he becomes one of us because of the love of par uh, his parents. Yeah. You know, and it's, it's, they take the love away in the uh, Man of Steel movies. Yeah. I hate that. I hate J Kevin Costner's character is terrible in, the, in that movie. Like, yeah. You're whole... against, they're against you. They're dangerous for you. They'll yeah, hurt yeah. you. It's awful. It's like, well, of course you fucked him up. So he doesn't do anything with his life till he's in his mid thirties. <laughs> Jesus. Nice job. Jerks. Yeah. Yeah. Whereas, um, yeah, whereas like the you know the the real Superman, like the you know the actual Superman of the comics, is is this sort of yeah almost sort of impossibly good-hearted person who has who has you know uh, kind of cornily learned his his uh, all-American values from being raised in the Midwest, you know, and which it's you know it's it's a little it's kind of hacky nowadays, I guess, but at the time it probably felt very <laughs> true, Listen, true to when, the. When, in the Superman movie... Only people uh, from farms Lane, are, are nice. Yeah, when Lois Lane asks him who he is, he says, a friend. Yeah, that's great. That's it. Yeah, that's and great. like, here's, here's someone who came from space who's like, What's, what, 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 what are you here for? I'm here to help. <laughs> I'm, I'm your friend. I want to be a friend. It's like, that's perfect. That's yeah. absolutely perfect, and that's what Superman is. Yeah, that's great. Got it. Bam. And then he looks through her underwear, and eh, maybe they got problems there. But you know, at, up to that point, it's good. <laughs> I don't remember that, but okay. Yeah, he's uh, he's like, uh, I think she asked like, what you know, you can see through clothes. Yeah, it's just like, uh, and 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 she and he looks through her clothes and like tells her what color underwear she's wearing, and mentions that she doesn't have lung cancer yet. Thank God. <laughs> and uh, and she quit smoking after that. Is that true? Yeah. Huh. Funny. Yeah. Oh, it was really nice, actually. Uh, I've had this scene that's been in my head 
that uh, when I was a kid, I watched the Superman movie on TV, and there was a scene in it that horrified me. Horrified me. Okay. And it was a, a scene where it's in Lex Luthor's lair. Yeah. And uh, he opens up, the, he, he says to Otis, did you feed the babies? And they're like, uh, no, Mr. Luthor, not today. Feed the babies, Otis. And so he goes, he opens up this uh, this wall, yeah. and there's some creatures that are below, like lions or something, and lowers a bunch of meat in there, and it just tears all the meat off the, off the hook. Yeah. And, uh, and, and Otis is almost falling in. And then at the end of the movie, after Miss Tessmacher uh, helps Superman out, you see her tied to a rope and is being lowered down to feed the monsters. And Otis is doing this. And, uh, you know, he's crying while he's doing it. And she's asking him, why are you doing this? And he goes, well, because I love you. Uh, while playing the piano. And it's really dark. And then he drops her into the monster pit. And Superman flies down instantly and pulls her out and tells her, you know, oh, your mom says hi. Because he, she mentioned her mom before. Okay. But it was like such a horror. Like, it was like, oh, my God, she's got this pit of monsters. And I had nightmares about it. And I kept telling people about this scene. It's like, that's the scariest scene. I don't remember and, that scene at all. No, of course you don't. Because <laughs> everyone who's watched it since, and I've seen it in the theaters, it's not there. I saw it in the theater. I saw. I only saw it, I mean, I've only seen the movie okay, once. So I'm being honest with you. So. But if you saw it any other time, you wouldn't have seen it. Because yeah. it is a deleted scene that appeared in an abc broadcast once oh okay. that was the one i saw so it was a it was it was this weird mandela effect for me of like i'm remembering a completely different movie than everyone else <laughs> but it's because yes that scene was in the movie and someone uh put up these two deleted scenes and it was like i was watching an old nightmare of myself i was like oh, that's it it exists and everyone i showed it to was like oh yeah i never saw that I'm like yeah but i did it was like, jeez, watching Miss Tessmacher get fed to these monsters. That's weird. It's very weird. I think those movies, I mean, I didn't like the movie Superman very much when I saw it. I didn't like the flying around the world part of it. I thought that was stupid as a, as a kid. But I thought, um, I did I did love I did love uh, Christopher Reeves as, as Superman. He's the best Superman. It's not the best Superman movie, but he's the best Superman. Yeah, and I, I think uh, people often criticize like the idea of like is that what superman thinks of us that we're like that we're like clark kent and you're like no he knows what people are he's just pretending to be clark kent to be like the opposite of superman so that people don't go oh you're just superman (laughs) not to recognize you but if you like play a character who just naturally fades into the people the backgrounds of people's lives then you are you're safe from being recognized as superman you know Mm -hmm. it's not that he thinks people are clumsy and dumb it's that he's playing a person who's clumsy and not and not dumb, but you know, this, he's playing a person who's clumsy and a bit of a bit of a melodroid because that way he can kind of blend in and he's not he's not obvious. He also sees what people are really like. If you make yourself lesser than others, yeah, then you get to see what they really feel. Like because people will always treat Superman differently than they'll treat Clark Kent. That's true. And if yeah, you yeah. see both views, you'll know what kind of person you are. <laughs> no, I always say, yeah. The only problem I have with the with the Clark Kent thing is. At a certain point, you got to tell Lois who you are, because you're lying to Lois. Yeah, no, and, no, I agree with you. I agree with you. Yeah, and uh, yeah, and maybe Jimmy. Who knows? Maybe tell Jimmy. I don't know. I like the thing I that used to be about uh, Jimmy Olsen, where he didn't know who Superman was, because if he knew who Superman was, people would torture him and try to get that information out of him. But he did know who Batman was, because no one would think to go to Jimmy Olsen and go, "Who's Batman?" Yeah, yeah. No reason to do that. So Batman was like, "Yeah, I'm Bruce Wayne." But in a uh, way, oh. but in a way, people are going to assume that Jimmy Olsen knows who Superman is. Any 
anyway. So whether he yeah. knows or doesn't know, it, it he's still he's still at risk of 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 being ca- kidnapped and tortured for well, that information. The other problem is like he does occasionally run into a telepath or two, so might as well not have that in your noodle. So there you are. Maybe sometime Brainiac's got a mind reading ray or something, and boom. So yeah, you don't know. It's kind of funny that we love the we love the things around the mythology of Superman that that evoke some element. Like when you said, "I'm a friend," like that that. Like that's not central super, the Superman story, but it's such it's so it's evokes such a a feeling of Superman what his character is you know just like just like when we were when um Steve Scross was on the show episode four hundred I think it was and he yeah. was he was telling us about that Justice League movie and the idea of having a fortress of solitude with with the farmhouse in it yeah and I just love that so much because it's so evocative of Superman you know to me whereas Henry Cavill as much as I like Henry Cavill. Those movies, they, they in no way evoke Superman for me. You know? Well, something, yeah, something uh, people have said is why British people write Superman the best. It's because at least British people, kind of our generation, is uh, that uh, they grew up with Doctor Who. And Doctor Who okay. is an alien who just wants to help. Yeah, yeah. And he's got a fortress of solitude. <laughs> guess and he invites people into it. And, yeah. you know, and he's a little bit of a weirdo. But, mm-hmm. you know. Uh, but he's just a, he just wants to help and that's it. And it's like, well, what's his motivation though? Well, no, he wants to help. Yeah. Because he was hurt in the past. And so he's got to <laughs> make sure that no one hurts other people. No, no. He just, he's just from another planet and he, he's here. Why? He wants to help. He's, a, he's a, he's a friend. Yeah. But you know, dark, no, sometimes stories get dark, but he's, he's a friend. <laughs> yeah. That's what I. Uh, that's what I like about. Well, that's what I like about like the Tom Baker Doctor Who is that he's just he acts out of an altruism that's that doesn't nec- doesn't need to be explained. You know, I think the more that you give backstories to characters like Doctor Who, the 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 less the less important their character becomes, and because... the less they become a role model for you. Mm-hmm. You know, the yeah. more detail you put into it, the yeah. less that you can do. I really oh, like that. Oh, he's thing. a war doctor. Oh, he killed people in a war. Oh, okay. Well, ew. <laughs> no. yeah. Well, Superman was in the war, was killing Japanese people. So, you know, they all go Not my thing. Superman. Yeah, that's fair enough. That's fine. Yeah, I mean, that's something I really liked about, uh, you know, when you're talking about uh, the a- animated version of Spider-Man. I don't know if you were talking, sorry, about, uh, you know, Into the Spider-Verse. But the idea that like anyone can wear the mask, like there are just all these wide variety of, uh, of uh, people with di- and not even people with different personalities and different types. And it's like, no, no, you, anyone can wear the mask. Anyone can be a hero. You know, I understand that there's the spider bite <laughs> angle to it. Yes. But, you know, I'm sure there's spider spider people out there that didn't get the bite that are just like, yeah, they you can wear the mask. You can be a hero. You can be this. You can aspire to be. Well, uh, I think her name is Penny. Penny didn't get bitten by a spider, did she? Her. Uh, I thought that, I thought it just powered the robot thing. Yeah, and uh, and well, Spider Pig didn't get bitten by a spider either. He oh. got bitten by uh, a pig. <laughs> he got bitten by a radioactive Ant May pig, basically, and 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 he was a spider. Mm. And then it became a pig. I know that's a very complicated story. <laughs> hey, it's been seventy-two hours since we started this, and so <laughs> there we, we can expect it to get a little free. Well, let me let me ask uh, our listeners, and you can come up with another question as well. 
do superhero movies work for you? And if so, which one works the best for you? What's a, which one do you yes like and to no. connect? Uh, yeah, do they work for you? And which one uh, do you connect with the most if they do? And if they, you don't connect with them, then there's no second part to that question. <laughs> I have a very simple one. Yes, sir. What is that? For This is our, this will be our, our sub-sub question. Uh, it's very simple. Flintstones or Jetsons? Okay, there you go. There you go, everyone. So let people... here's a question. Sorry, quick question about Jetsons. If you but you remember nothing about the Jetsons, mm-hmm. do the Jetsons now in comic form? It's different, but in the TV show, yeah. Do the Jetsons celebrate Christmas? I don't. I don't know. Yeah, I just wonder if religion exists in the Jetsons world. I think it does, but mostly, be, but only because I know that the Flintstones and the Jetsons are happening at the same time. <laughs> okay. And the Jet- and the Flintstones, the Flintstones did celebrate Christmas. I know the Flintstones did celebrate Christmas, and they did in uh, a comic book that I very much enjoyed when I was in Christmas. Where they did team up and they celebrate Christmas together. But yeah, I'm just kind of curious about that because I don't think Star Trek uh, anyone celebrates Christmas in Star Trek. Hmm. They're too they're too big headed for that. And yet, in Star Wars, though they don't celebrate Christmas, they do celebrate Life Day, which is Christmas. Sure. You know, it's the only way they could they could do it. So they've had a holiday special. Mm. So another way to say that. All right. So Flintstones or Jetsons, decide. And uh, do superhero movies work for you? If they do, which one works the best? And your first question you asked was, uh, what were the rules for cleaning your house when you were young? Yeah, yeah. Did you have, did you did have, you have to, chores? Like, did you keep a, keep a tidy house? Yeah. What would you have to do? Yeah, I'd be curious about that. So here's how you contact us. You can go email at sneakyd at sneakydragon.com, sneakyd at sneakydragon.com. You can go to our Twitter. I'm doing this in a different order this time. Uh, You can go to our Twitter at sneaky underscore dragon and post there or to our Tumblr, sneakydragon.tumblr.com. Now I'm working my way up to Facebook. Come on, you're on Facebook anyway. Might as well go to our page (laughs) and uh, post an answer there. Or here's the other way to go about it. Go to sneakydragon.com. That is our website. We have a website. Of course we do. And every one of our episodes is up there. And underneath every one of those episodes is a message area. And that's where you can also respond to us. You can also read the questions there if you have forgotten them. And you can see what other people have written. And it's always a delight to read your letters. But any way that you want to contact us, we appreciate it. And we appreciate everyone who has written to us. Uh, One more time, I'm going to throw out a plug for... Uh, our book, Sparks Double Dog Dare, which is in bookstores now. Uh, Exorcisters is available, uh, digital download. Comixology.com is the way to do that. And the uh, second trade paperback, uh, Exorcisters 2, Kick at the Darkness. Uh, Kick at the Dark is uh, going to be out uh, near the end of October. You can order that now from bookstores or comic book stores. Also, my wife, Pia Guerra, and I have a new Instagram account called Mannequin on the Moon. One word, mannequin on the moon, where we're putting up some new cartoons that we that we did. So if you want to go and check those out, that is where you do at mannequin on the moon on Instagram. And I think that is basically it. Am I right, Dave? You're wrong. Well, that's it for us. Because Bye. I forgot, I forgot oh. one thing. We got okay. we got sent a uh, we got sent a question, an audio question. Oh, let's hear it. And it, and it slipped it. my mind. I'm sorry. So I'm going to play it now, and then and we we'll, we'll quickly answer it. And then, and then sounds good. Ready? Here we go. Here's the question. This is okay. from, just so you know. This is from Jonathan Bampton. 
two-time two-time prize winner for the uh, listening part, listening uh, question, <laughs> listeners' questions episode. Sounds like a fix. So yes, <laughs> so here we go. This is the question. Hey Dave, were you just on the periphery of being too old for classic Degrassi when it was shown on TV? Um, probably in your late teens. Was that a big thing for people of your generation? The original, the classic. Did you hear that? Yes. Okay. My answer to that is um, the the I remember originally the kids from Degrassi, which was before, which was a predecessor of Degrassi Junior High. Okay. And that was uh, yeah that I remember seeing that. I did not watch a lot of Degrassi High, uh, but I did. You know, I was I was aware of it, and uh, I am friends with a person who was a cast member on it, Susan Nielsen, who is now a television writer and also a book author. Uh, and she was, uh, she played a janitor who was a corrupt janitor <laughs> in Degrassi Junior High. And then there was an explosion in the basement and she was killed. <laughs> and no matter what she does, and she has won many an award and done really great for herself, but people always are asking her about Degrassi High because it is so incredibly uh, beloved in Canada. Then they did Degrassi The Next Generation, of course, which is best known for having the person who became Drake uh, in it. Um, but yeah, I was, I was casually familiar with it uh, in, in the same way that I am casually familiar culturally with the Beachcombers. Uh, I would call myself a bigger Beachcombers fan than I ever was a Degrassi High fan. Uh, I was always amazed. Like, I snobbily avoided it as a kid. Like, that was just like a Canadian show. Like, you know, no better than the, the Rene Samard show. Like, why would I be watching, you know, it's been Canadian. Like, come on. Um, so I kind of, I, I pretty much never really watched it. I, I, you know, I know that I know some of the characters and I know, I know the show, but I, you know, I just, it was, I just was too much of a, uh, too much of a, sn- a snob, an elitist jerk to uh, watch that show. And, the, sorry, go ahead. and I was always amazed when I would talk to Americans like, like Harvey, Harvey Picar was a mm-hmm. huge Degrassi high fan. Yeah. And to, cause the people outside of, Canada, whereas to me, it, the show felt very contrived. You know, it, it in no way, I mean, it was on the same time I was in junior high school, and it in no way felt like it was really like junior high. It was just like a TV show about kids who are like impossible people live, living, you know, existing in an impossible place that was called Degrassi High. But to people outside of Canada, it felt real to them because, you know, like Americans are used to shows that are, you know, really, you know, like, like uh, supermodels yes like super handsome people and and it's very big and it's it's bright and shiny and it's probably filmed in california so the lockers are inexplicably outside of the school and you know perfect skin everyone has perfect yeah and so yeah zits on degrassi high everyone had real zits yeah yeah but at the same time it wasn't quite as dark as something you'd get from england or something you know or, or something like that where the show's it could kind of take a turn for the for the horrible, and you just you weren't looking forward to that ever happening, and it did. Well, the uh, the other thing that you got with uh, Degrassi was uh, if you had something happen in an American show, you would get a strong moral about it. Mm. So mm. if the girl got pregnant, uh, she would go off, and you'd never see her again. <laughs> yeah. But in this case, the girl got pregnant. We knew her; she got pregnant, and then we followed her through the entire pregnancy, and then afterwards, and kept going. Yeah. And, and so people that had problems like. You know, uh, someone's someone's uh, parents were being abusive to them. Mm. Again, that would be a one-off special episode, and you'd never see the character again. Yeah. Or someone was molested, a one-off special episode, never see them again. You would see them then 
afterwards for forever. Yeah. And it would be like, oh, this is real. And it was much more grounded and I think much more important and made you think like, okay, yeah. you know, that, I'm normal. <laughs> so Yeah, so almost know. in retrospect, I have more respect for the show just because of it's just so many people that I respect who, you know, spoke personally spoke to me about how much they enjoyed it. Yeah. You know, and I'd be like, okay, like, that's really weird because I grew up with it and I did not rate it at all, but... We are a little too close to it. We're a little too close to it, exactly. Like, we, you know, we're Canadian, so I knew, I knew exactly what it was like to go to junior high school in Canada. Not Toronto, obviously, I was in Vancouver, and there is, there are cultural differences, you know, 3,000 miles away from each other, obviously. But, you know, I generally knew what it was like, and it was not at all like Degrassi High. Which is okay. It's a TV show. It should, you know, it ha- it has to have elements of uh, yeah, you know unreal. Opera, real- yeah. yeah, yeah, it has to have elements of unreality. But yeah, it's funny how it speaks to people. It's being feeling really real and grounded and really, you know, representing Canada. And okay, sure, whatever. <laughs> but I was shocked by uh, how many people I met that uh, love the Beachcombers as well. Sorry for a side thing because you're too close to it and you don't get it. Yeah, yeah. Like, people I know from Europe. I know people who have moved here. because of the beachcombers because they watched the show and one it was like so beautiful like just seeing all the forests was just like this is gorgeous this is the water this is this is beautiful but also because you know it was about like first nations people as well working you know with with immigrants and all this stuff and and what it was working class people and to me i'm just going like yeah so that's normal right no watch american tv yeah you see anyone like that on there no i guess not yeah, that's right. It's a big freaking deal. So, like, okay, we're quietly, you know, doing some things that are right over here. And, you know, that's probably something we're doing now that's good, too, that we don't know about. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, if, or if you want to see another, uh, like, seeing things is, like, the most... <laughs> yeah, you see the guy whose head blows up. <laughs> well, not in that mo- not in that show, but... Uh, yeah, it's just kind of this weird... It's just a weird show, because... It's like, it's a guy, he's like separated from his wife, but they have a son together. And so they have to like get along and they, they get along. And he's always dragging his wife into his adventures and stuff like that as he's trying to solve a murder because he sees things. And uh, yeah, it's just a weird, it's just a weird show. I guess, I guess people around the world just look at our shows and go, why is everyone so good natured? What's going on here? What is going yeah, on? No one's, no one's really trying to get rich. <laughs> no one's, everyone's just, you know, doing their best. Yeah. Keep yeah. up, keep up. I know it's uh you know yeah it's it's like our podcast. What, what's your podcast about? Oh, you know, just talk. What do you mean? You're just two good-natured guys talking? Yeah, you know about lives and stuff. Oh, so do you want to make money off this? Yeah, no, maybe. I guess it'd be fine. But you're not trying to. Yeah, we got a Patreon account. You know, you can throw a couple of bucks in there if you want. Oh, what's why are you doing this? Well, something to do. <laughs> <laughs> you you are too honest you are too honest sir i am so let's wrap it up and then. finally before we go let me just say one last thing one last okay. thing everyone and that is that the newest episode of listening party has dropped it came out on thursday mary and i sitting together listening to music talking about music talking about life making cracking jokes oh mary killed me during that show i was just laughing my head off so <laughs> so give it a listen everyone sneaky dragon listening party. a lot yeah. of fun yeah we we have fun every week so there we go that's all i have to say and now, before we go, one more thing. No, just joking. Let's get out of here. Bye. Bye, everyone. Welcome for the man, the company.
and you start punching in early It's all such a bar, pound those keys and pray the clock won't rest He wants one's coffee so you get up and make it He stares at your blouse till you just can't take it It's summer and you need a sweater to cover your breasts Exactly. 100% accuracy, which is more than I can say for your friend Molly Moore. Ah, yes, sir. Uh, I just saw her in the hall, as a matter of fact. She said that you had asked her to do some research at the legal library yesterday. She wanted to get an early start. Did I? Mm, yes, that's right. A good attitude. I'll send her into my office as soon as she comes in. I have some dictation I'd like to give her. Yes, sir. Anything else I'd like to give her. Pardon? What did you say, Mr. Charles? I said that time is money. Now get to work, Miss Donaldson. Yes, sir. 